Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, April 27th, 2017 here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. Joining us in a little bit will be the co-host, Ryan Martirano. But right now, joining me over the telephone or cell phone, whatever you like to call it, is our special guest for the day. The man, he calls himself All Ego, Ethan Page. Ethan, thank you for coming on. How you doing? Uh, some technical difficulties there with uh, Ethan Page. Uh, he was just on the phone with us, so hopefully we can get uh, Ethan back on as uh, shortly as we can. Some uh, Skype connection problems. Yeah, so we are going to have Ethan Page on the phone with us, people. Just hang tight. Um, yes, we were able to get Ethan on with us as a special guest, and he is calling back right now. Uh, Ethan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, hey, Ethan. Uh, sorry about that. So, yes, welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast. How are you doing? Pretty good. Well, I don't know what happened, but uh, we're back on, so we're good to go. Yes. Yeah, so how are you doing, Ethan? Welcome to the show. Pretty well. Just uh, just left the gym, heading home now, and mm-hmm. uh, got you guys on Bluetooth. I'm not holding my phone while driving. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> That's all right, man. We don't want you to do that. Uh, again, you know, again, welcome on. Uh, welcome to the podcast. And uh, thank you again for coming on to do the interview uh, with myself. Uh, let's jump right into Ethan. Uh, how did it all begin for you when you started the pro wrestling world? I mean, when you grew up, uh, when did you start watching pro wrestling? And uh, who were some of your biggest inspirations growing up? Uh, wanting you to become a wrestler. Uh, how did it all start for you? Um, I watched wrestling when I was a kid with my dad, and uh, my favorites when I was that young was uh, Hogan, Hodgson, Ultimate Warrior. I loved wrestling, and I fell back into it around the Attitude Era, and my favorites around that time were The Rock, Billy Gunn, Val Venus, and... Uh, Razor Ramon and uh, Scott Hall, which whichever one it was, it didn't matter. He, he'll he'll make my top ten list all the time. Uh, that's a pretty good list right there. So, uh, I mean, uh, let's move on to our next question for you. Uh, as of late, you've been wrestling for Evolve Wrestling. You've done some crazy stuff so far for that company. You just came off a crazy feud with uh, Darby Allen that concluded with a last man standing match this past weekend, which I got to see which was pretty insane from what I saw, uh, putting him in a body bag with tacks inside of it, hitting him with a with a chair, a shovel. I know Darby was actually in the hospital and had a fractured elbow. Just one of the craziest matches I've seen in a long time. So what was it like working with Darby in this story? And tell us your thoughts on the last main standing match that you had with him that concluded this feud. Um, I liked everything that we did because Darby is very... Um, relatively unknown and he definitely was when the feud started so on a company standpoint it's great because uh, we leave this feud with 
sadly an injury, but when he comes back, he'll be a star. So we now have a marquee player in the company, and it helped elevate me as um, the top bad guy or villain. And uh, the last man standing match was was a tough position to be in because of the match we had in Orlando. Um, everyone was saying was one of the craziest matches they've ever seen. And then for us to have to do it again back-to-back, we tried to up the ante. And uh, sadly, it was cut short. We were kind of scrambling in there with uh, his elbow being fractured. And the gash on his elbow was like four inches wide. And it was bleeding. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a rough situation. But uh, people seemed to be satisfied uh, with the match, which is, I don't know, I guess all both of us can ask for. But, yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm proud of the, the feud overall. Yeah, it was a really good few, man. Enjoyed watching it. Uh, we're talking to independent pro wrestler uh, Ethan Page. You can give him a follow on Twitter at official ego and on Instagram at official underscore ego. Uh, continue with the evolve, Ethan. Uh, you are currently are leading a group called the Gatekeepers, which has made a huge impact so far in your career. Uh, talk about how this group came about. Uh, like, was it your idea, or did the head officials at Evolve want you to work with both uh, Blaster and Flex? Um, it kind of just fell into my lap because uh, both of those guys were showing up month by month and like helping set up, helping tear down, and uh, they would have them kind of carry people to the back if they were injured or uh, just kind of security, essentially. And uh, they came up with the idea that possibly I would have my own security. And since they were constantly in the public's eye as guys that were just there, uh, we kind of turned that into me convincing them to work for me instead of Evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a uh, pretty strong group for you. It's made you into a star. Uh, and also, you have a big matchup coming in, uh, in the month of May in Illinois. You're, uh, you're fighting uh, Zach Sabre Jr. for the Evolve Championship. Uh, of course, you attacked him at Evolve 83, and now you're the new number one contender. Give us your thoughts on going after the Evolve Championship and facing a guy like Zach Sabre Jr., who is regarded as, if not the best, but one of the best uh, wrestlers in the world today. Uh, I'm excited for it because for what I bring to the table is completely different than um, what's on the Evolve roster. So to get my style of pro wrestling, or I should say sports entertainment, into the main event against uh, one of the best wrestlers in the world, I'm proud of that. But I take these matches very serious. So it's a main event to show uh, 10 years into my, almost 11 years into my career. It's still an honor to me. I don't really take anything like this for granted. So I'm very excited to give people a match that they'll never forget and potentially and hopefully walk out with the Evolve title. Yeah, hoping for big things, uh, man. When I saw that they announced that match, I was pretty excited because I've been watching you for a while. I've been watching Zach for a long time, and I know you two guys can absolutely put together a great match. Uh, We're talking again to Ethan Page. You also made a couple of appearances at PWG with your former tag team partner, Josh Alexander of Monster Mafia. Uh, first off, what was it like working with Josh? Because you two had a lot of success together on the independent scene as a duo, working all around the world. And with PWG being very popular in the wrestling world today, what was it like working in Reseda on a couple of occasions? Uh, it was awesome. Josh is one of the best in the world, and it's sad that not everyone gets to see that right now because he's kind of stuck in Canada for a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, Monster Mafia was like a pet project of mine, and I 
I kind of pitched it to Josh as a way for us to kind of increase our popularity because there wasn't so many tag teams in the world at the time. So it turned out to be uh, a huge success and fans still kind of want to see us pull off some matches now and uh, Canuck Pro out in, I believe, Vancouver are bringing us down to reform Monster Mafia and uh, some fans are going to be able to see it happen live. That's pretty cool. And I also want to ask you this question because I saw a lot of you guys do all these crazy uh, combination moves like the Loch Ness Lockdown. Uh, how'd you come up with all these moves? <laughs> um, I play with wrestling action figures and that's how I get creative. Wow, that's, that's, that's a good idea, man. It's pretty cool to hear about that. Uh, also, I want to ask you this question, too. You also have, in my opinion, one of the most popular nicknames in all of pro wrestling and all ego. How did that come about? Well, originally, I wanted to kind of go into, like, I don't know. I was a big fan of how Chris Hero called himself the young knockout kid. Hmm. And Shawn Michaels called himself the heartbreak kid. So I was going to call myself the all-ego kid. And then eventually I was like, ah, I'll just be original. And I just cropped out the, the end of it. Nah, that, I said, it is one of my favorite nicknames, Ethan. Uh, we move on to another question for you. Uh, we all know that WWE and Evolve Wrestling have a great working relationship. And we've seen a lot of wrestlers from Evolve jump over to the WWE, guys like from the Cruiserweight Classic and some other big names like recently uh, Drew McIntyre, who took, place, took part in a couple of the recent Evolve shows, is back in WWE. Um, do you envision yourself ever, ever for working WWE at one point? Is that still your ultimate goal is to one day make it to the WWE? Uh, every day I envision it, and I hope uh, these visions come true. So, yeah. Uh, it would be pretty cool to see you in, uh, in NXT. Uh, and we'll wrap this up with you, Ethan. Uh, is there anyone out there on the independents that you'd like to work with in the future that you haven't gotten the chance to wrestle yet? I've seen you get into some matches on your YouTube page with guys like uh, Kevin Steen, uh, Johnny Garganos, and now, you, of course, wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. pretty soon. Uh, any other specific names out there that you really want to uh, wrestle one day? Um, I've always said, uh, when people ask me this question, that I've always wanted to have a singles match with Ricochet. And I'm hoping soon, but I understand people's hesitations because when you someone that athletic, you want to put someone with uh, full ability in the ring with them. So anyone with a lot of money to spend and they're willing to put all ego against Ricochet, uh, send me a Twitter DM or an email. Is that the only one? Any other guys like other than Ricochet or Ricochet's your number one guy? I would say Ricochet's number one for a singles. Uh, I would love to do um, Monster Mafia versus uh, EYFBO again, uh, especially mm. now that they're in uh, any real any any very popular tag teams at the time. I'd love to do with Josh just because that's the most fun I've ever had in the ring is teaming with him. So any chance we get to do that again, I'd love. Um, I would love to wrestle Travis Banks uh, on a singles match again. He uh, popped my cherry in the UK, and I had a singles match with him. But uh, I'd love a rematch in uh, maybe another company or maybe even Evolve. Uh, that, uh, that'd be pretty cool, man. Uh, thanks again, Ethan Page. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at OfficialEgo and on Instagram at official underscore ego. And also buy a shirt. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Ethan Page. Ethan, thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. Hopefully we can get you on another day. Awesome. No problem, guys. Anytime. All right. Thanks, bud. See ya.
That was all ego Ethan Page. Uh, we thank him again for coming on with us. Uh, good to talk to him. He's got a lot coming up for him uh, this past weekend. He had a crazy, crazy last man standing match with Darby Allen. If you've not checked that out, please go on Flow Slam. Check it out. The match he had with Darby Allen was insane. And again, he is the next number one contender for the Evolve Championship. That will be at the next Evolve show in Illinois. I believe it's at Summit to be exact where he'll be facing none other than the Evolved Champion, Zack Sabre Jr. That has a chance to be a very special match. So, uh, yes, welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sendek, and we'll be joined shortly by the co-host, uh, Ryan Martirano. Uh Ryan coming late to the show. He had some stuff that he had to do. So we're going to be waiting for uh, Ryan to jump on uh, the podcast with us. Uh, we have a lot to get into. Um in the world of professional wrestling, we have a big weekend for you guys. Of course, this upcoming Sunday, it is going to be Payback, the first pay-per-view uh, after WrestleMania 33. Uh, a pretty intriguing card. A lot can go down the show. We had, of course, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. That is going to be very interesting to see what happens with that show, booking-wise. Um, we also got to see what's going to happen with the House of Horrors match between Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Chris Jericho for the last time as rumors keep circulating that Chris Jericho is on his way out. Possibly going to do take some time off, do more with uh, his uh, rock band Fozzie. Uh, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title should be a good one with that. The Hardy Boys defending the tag team belts against Cesaro and Sheamus. First major title defense for the Hardy Boys back in WWE. We also got the Cruiserweight belt on the line as well. Austin Aries versus Neville, their rematch from WrestleMania 33. Uh, so we're going to give our predictions for that show for that show a little bit later on. We're also going to, uh, of course, get into our weekly recaps of Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. A lot is going on between those three shows. Plus, we also got some news to talk about when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, a couple of tile changes took place uh, this past morning. We got to talk about that, as well as something, some stuff going on again in. Uh, Ring of Honor, uh, as again, you know, the upcoming War of the Worlds, War of the Worlds Tour, excuse me, is uh, inching closer, and now they're starting to announce matches for each show in uh, Toronto, Canada, in Dearborn, Michigan, and the one we're going to, myself and Ryan, uh, here in New York City at the Hammerstein Ballroom. So I'm going to get into that shortly. Uh, Ryan again should be joining us pretty soon. Uh, first off, I want to give a birthday shout out to uh, the Big Red Machine, Kane. Kane was his birthday yesterday. Uh, happy birthday, Kane! One of my all-time favorites. When I started watching pro wrestling, I was a a big fan of Kane's. You know, getting a chance to watch him wrestle with uh, guys like the Undertaker, The Rock. You know, coming into the Attitude Era, Kane was a a big-time performer, a big-time star during the Attitude Era. Made a huge impact. Uh, Kane is now 50 years old. That is incredible. You know, to see Kane at that age continue to wrestle today. Uh, so happy birthday, Kane! And yeah. So uh, we'll start things off, though, with a little bit of a recap of Evolve 82, Evolve 83. Again, if you haven't checked that out, please check it out. Some good stuff that took place on the show as I try to uh, bring up the results from here, from Evolve uh, 82. So we'll start right off. Again, the last main stay match between Ethan Page and uh, Darby Allen was just outstanding stuff haven't checked it out please check it out great match ethan page went on to win the match just a lot went down a lot of scary bumps chair shots i mean you name it a anything you can name of in a hardcore extreme type of a match it was in that match great stuff between uh, ethan page and uh darby allen uh we also crowned new tag team champions as uh chris dickinson and jaka 
defeated their catch point brothers, Fred Yehai and Tracy Williams, to become the new tag team champions. So a big congratulations go to uh, Chris Dickinson and Jaka. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly made his return to Evolve in his first match back. He defeated none other than Limitless Keith Lee. Another good match here. Keith Lee just continues to amaze people. The guy's putting on tremendous match after tremendous match. But good to see Kyle O'Reilly back in the Evolve uh, wrestling company. So um, we'll see where he goes from here. Uh, Drew Galloway versus Zack Sabre Jr. No contest. Ended at 6 minutes and 40 seconds. You know, again, just one of those matches that didn't go very long. No result whatsoever. It was one of Galloway's uh, last appearances in uh, Evolve Wrestling. Uh, ACH defeating Austin Theory. Good solid match. And uh, the WWE title was on the line as well as Matt Riddle defeated Timothy Thatcher. So Matt Riddle is still your Evolve champion. That was from Evolve 82. Moving on to Evolve 83. Bringing up the results right now for Evolve 83. Here's what went down on that show. Again, Ethan Page coming off the uh, the big uh, the big last man standing match. He defeated uh, Austin Theory. Tracy Williams picked up a victory over Chris Dickinson. Jaka over ECH. Keith Lee was um, was in action against uh, David Starr. David Starr made a rare appearance. Keith Lee went on to win the match. Kyle O'Reilly, his second match at Evolve was against Fred Yeha. He won he won that match. Good style match that was. Uh, Evolved title on the line. Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Leo Rush. A great match between those two guys. Expect to see a rematch some point in the future. And WWE title match. Matt Riddle over Drew Galloway. That was Drew Galloway's last match. Evolve as Galloway is ready to uh, you know make the run now back to the WWE and NXT under the name Drew McIntyre. Matt Riddle still your WWE champion. But of course the big story after Evolve 83 took place after Zack Sabre Jr.'s match with Leo Rush as uh, Ethan Page came out with the gatekeepers attacking uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And now Ethan Page is going to be the next number one contender for the Evolve Championship. And, you know, he's pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. I've been watching uh, Ethan Page for a couple of years now in the independence, working with uh, Josh Alexander with Monster Mafia. Uh, also, you know, again, on this current singles run, making a name for himself. Uh, with the gatekeepers here in Evolve Wrestling. So we wish the best of luck to Ethan Page as his quest continues to become Evolve Champion and uh, should be a good one. So that took place at Evolve Wrestling, but we also had a big show go down at a PWG this past Friday called Game Over Man. The highlights are on uh, YouTube on the uh, PWG page. Please check it out. Or, of course, you can just wait for the DVD to come out. It's going to be official uh, pretty soon. A lot went down on this show. Seven matches, I believe, took place, or six. It was six or seven matches, and here is what happened. Ray Phoenix versus Leo Rush kicked off the show. Rush defeating Phoenix thanks to a Spanish fly on the apron, followed by a frog splash. Leo Rush continues to roll on at Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Matthew Riddle with a victory over Adam Cole. Will be one of Adam Cole's final appearances, of course, at PWG, as we still await for Adam Cole to uh, jump to uh, the WWE pretty soon, as his contract is coming up very, very shortly. Keith Lee versus Jeff Cobb, a match that is must-see, basically, because these are two of the biggest, strongest guys in the wrestling business, and uh, what a great match this was. It was uh, a successful win for Jeff Cobb as he defeated Limitless Keith Lee. That was Lee's second match in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. 
Kyle O'Reilly uh, versus Michael Elgin. Good, strong match this was. Uh, O'Reilly, of course, making his return to Pro Wrestling Gorilla, but it was unsuccessful as Michael Elgin picked up the victory over Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, and then the Young Bucks defeating uh, War Machine. War Machine's debut, a, a success despite losing. War Machine, of course, made a good first impression. First impression on the receipt crowd. But the Young Bucks pick up the win over War Machine. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Dick Togo in a non-title match. Great win for Zack Sabre Jr. as he continues to be the top guy at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. And in the main event, in a Reseda Street fight, it was Chuck Taylor versus Marty Skrull. Awesome match. Check it out. Taylor picking up the win over Marty Skrull thanks to the cross-faced chicken wing. Chuck Taylor basically stealing Marty Skrull's finisher to pick up the victory. So uh, there you have it. Game over, man. Again, Guys, it should be on HighSpots.com uh, to order it. Uh, but also, if you want to just watch the highlights on YouTube, go right ahead. Um, it, it is on there. So, again, we're just waiting for Ryan to come on with us. He should be on uh, pretty soon. Uh, might be having some uh, Wi-Fi problems in his house. Hopefully, he can fix that up. But, uh, yes, uh, we'll, we'll start off without him, though. We'll, we'll start off with uh, Monday Night Raw and what took place on the show uh, this, uh, this past week, what went on, uh, throughout the week, basically in the wrestling world, uh, trying to find the, uh, my notes here, but, uh, yeah, here we go, as, um, here we go, it's, uh, Ryan should be on with us, uh, pretty soon, um, so we'll start, uh, we'll just wait for him right now, but, uh, yes, Raw recap, SmackDown Live recap, NXT recap, plus predictions for payback, uh, some news to cover in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. But yes, we'll start off with Raw. Uh, the go-home show for Raw as they are heading into Payback. To me, it was just not a good show overall. I mean, again, Braun Strowman made another significant impact in his match with uh, Kalisto. The dumpster match, the first dumpster match in 16 years. He did not win the match, but of course, we all know what happened next. He just annihilated Kalisto, threw him into the dumpster, and then locked him in the dumpster. As we are getting the phone call right now from uh, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How's it going? How you doing, Ryan? Uh, welcome back to the the uh, Royal Rumble podcast. Just uh, getting my uh, thoughts on Monday Night Raw. But before we do that, we'll get your thoughts on the uh, the past world, Evolve Wrestling, and PWG. Just quick thoughts on both Evolve shows. What were your thoughts about that? And what went down at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla? Yeah, some crazy stuff going down at PWG. I saw uh, all the results. I mean, the matches look nuts, as always. Uh, you know, we did a good job predicting some of the matches, but other ones were uh, shockers to me. Uh, but again, looks like a great event. Not shocked and uh, curious to see what it looks like when it comes out on DVD. I did uh, check out both Evolve shows this past weekend. Uh, you know, the one in, uh, in Queens on Saturday was absolutely nuts. Uh, the main event, which, of course, featured Ethan Page and Darby Allen, That was just absolute insanity. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, so many crazy spots. That dude, Darby Allen, man, he deserves all the credit in the world for everything that the guy goes through every single time he's in the ring. I mean, it's unbelievable. He was literally put in a body bag, and Ethan Page literally dumped uh, tacks in there and literally powerbombed them when the guy's in the body bag. I mean, I, it, it was just unbelievable stuff. Uh, he also dislocated or fractured his elbow or something uh, when Ethan Page hit him in, in the elbow with a shovel. I mean, just absolute insanity. Just an awesome event overall. Uh, you know, of course, it was Drew Galloway's final uh, weekend with Evolve. So uh, he went out on a high note as well. 
the Vov 83 was good, too. The main event between Drew Galloway and Matt Riddle was great. Uh, Leo Rush, Zack Sabre Jr. was good. Kyle O'Reilly and Fred Yehai was a really, really good match from Evolve 83. I think that was my favorite match of that event. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was a great weekend for both PWG and uh, definitely for Evolve. Evolve is headed in the right direction. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next coming weeks and uh, months as, uh, you know, things are going to get good. Yeah, of course. Again, like I mentioned before, the next uh, Evolve show will take place in Summit, Illinois. Uh, for Evolve 84, Ethan Page, who we just uh, spoke with on the interview, will be going after Zack Sabre Jr.'s Evolve Championship, so please check that out. So let's go back to our thoughts on Raw. Uh, again, the go-home show for Raw heading into Payback was not all that great to me specifically. Not a lot went down significantly heading into the Payback pay-per-view. Uh, we'll start off with Braun Strowman again because he's been the hottest act on Raw every single week. He was in a dumpster match with Kalisto. First dumpster match in 16 years, so it was kind of odd to see that match brought back to life. But uh, yes, Kalisto actually knocked off Braun Strowman, but after the match was over, of course, Braun Strowman went on his path of destruction again. He beat the holy hell out of Kalisto, chokeslamming him three times with his one arm. Then he threw him into the dumpster, locked the dumpster, and basically threw him off the ramp. Um, And again, Braun Strowman just continues to be a dominant force to be reckoned with. Not really much thought about this. Of course, they're keeping Roman Reigns off television until you know payback. He'll be back at the payback pay-per-view. I thought Roman was going to come back and you know get in Braun's face and have one more clash before their match at payback. We did not see that. Was that a smart idea? I'm not so sure. Yes, maybe they want to save Roman and Braun from going at each other this Sunday. But would have liked to see a much better ending to the to the storyline. Uh, with some sort of uh, interaction between these two guys heading into their match on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, Strowman just annihilated Kalisto. Uh, Kalisto won the match. What does that do for Kalisto? It does nothing. I don't think Kalisto should be on the Raw roster anyways. He's he's a fit for the Cruiserweights. Uh, That's just me. That's the the sole reason why he went to Raw, I thought, was that he was going to be part of the Cruiserweight division may not be the case because now two straight weeks he's been doing more main roster stuff than cruiserweight stuff. Hopefully WWE puts him in the cruiserweight division. They need some more names on that show. And Kalisto fits the bill. He's he perfectly fits the cruiserweight division. So we'll see what happens with Kalisto. He's also got a new look, a new uh, theme song. I'm not sure what that was all about. But uh, yeah, Strowman again just continues to show how dominant of a monster he is. And I, I mentioned it on the show this past uh, uh, last Thursday that they cannot really screw this guy up like they did the first time when they had Roman go over Braun Strowman at Fastlane. You can't make that same mistake. This guy is too red hot right now. You cannot prevent him from taking that top spot on Raw. You just can't do it. Even though, yes, Roman Reigns is still the face of the company, this time around you got to give Braun Strowman the chance to prove himself that, hey, I'm I'm a somebody and I'm going to make a difference on your show. I just think what they, what they should do, have him go over Roman Reigns this Sunday at Payback, and then go right after Brock's championship. At the next pay-per-view, have him go after Brock's championship. And I'll even go as far to say he should take the belt off of Brock Lesnar. All right, Brock Lesnar has no business of holding that championship. He's a part-timer. I've mentioned it so many times on the show. Part-timers should not hold championships. It should be held by hard-working full-timers. And Braun Strowman is a full-timer. He's a hard worker. He's making a name for himself. Roll with this guy as your champion, not Brock Lesnar, but we'll see what happens down the future. It's not even a guarantee that Braun's going to win this Sunday. Would not shock me if Roman goes over him again because 
He's Roman Reigns, but booking decision-wise, where the story's going, and the direction of Braun Strowman, it makes perfect sense to give this win to Braun Strowman, so hopefully they do that, and uh, again, we'll see what happens this Sunday, we'll give our predictions a little bit later, but uh, Ryan, your thoughts on Braun Strowman and uh, Kalisto this past Monday? Yeah, well, again, another row in the books, and coming out of it, we're talking about Braun Strowman, like I said last week, the guy's the star of the show, I mean, every single week coming out of it, uh, we're talking about him, because he makes an impact week after week. Uh, the match with Kalisto was okay. I mean, uh, the dumpster match, of course. They'll do any gimmick match nowadays, I feel like. I mean, literally, this all came about because Braun threw Kalisto in a dumpster last week, which, again, I don't think anybody really took notice of it. I mean, he just shoved him in there, and then I think Big Show came in and knocked him out. So, really didn't like... It wasn't like a huge part of that interaction between those two, but again, I guess, you know, Kalisto wanted this match, and, and it happened. I actually don't have a problem with him winning the match because... You know, again, this is not. This was meant for Braun Strowman to come out of it looking strong, but also too. I mean, they don't want to completely crush Kalisto. Now, like you said, him winning the match doesn't really do anything for him. It doesn't do anything major for him. But I know WWE officials are definitely high on this guy. I mean, the guy was a former United States champion. Uh, you know, he he's a good talent, and I. I I think they're high on him. They don't want to completely just uh, squash him and annihilate him. So by him winning the match, uh, it helped him a little bit. Like you said, Brian, though, this guy's made for the Cruiserweight division. He's made for 205 Live. He has no business being on Raw. Uh, so I hope eventually that's where he's headed because I don't see what he could possibly do on Raw. Um, so he won the match, but uh, like I said, nobody really remembers that because after the fact, Braun throws him back in there, locks him in there, and, and chucks the uh, dumpster off the stage. I mean, just, again, showing the strength of Braun Strowman, showing how strong he really is. And uh, now he has a match with Roman Reigns on Sunday at the pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I really think this time around they're going to have Braun go over Roman because they have just literally, these past few weeks, they've been booking Braun so good. Uh, it would just be a disaster if he lost to Roman Reigns. I mean, at this point, you can't have him lose. Roman Reigns losing won't do anything. It won't hurt Roman in any way. He'll still be the top guy. So uh, I think Braun needs this way more than Roman does. And I have a really, really good feeling that Braun's going to go over this time. And I hope he does because he definitely deserves it. And like you said, this guy should be the universal champion. Uh, I mean, whenever him and Brock, you know, throw down, I don't think he's going to win. But boy, does he deserve to win because it's ridiculous that the universal title is not on Raw. And who knows when we're going to see it? Who knows when Brock Lesnar is going to show his face again on Raw? Uh, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. The fact that the women's match is probably going to main event this Sunday's pay-per-view shows a lot. You know, I mean, again, no, no disrespect to the women, but you need the top title on Raw. I mean, it just doesn't work anymore. They did it back in the day when Brock won it um, at SummerSlam 2014. They got away with that one. You know, a couple of months or whatever, he held the belt, and, and they, they had some good main events for pay-per-views, but it's just not going to work nowadays. You you need this top belt on Raw. You need it to be a draw. You need it to be the top story because uh, Raw is just tough to watch week after week without it. So, uh, again, I, like coming out of it, like I said, Braun Strowman is the star of the show once again. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like you said, you know, we got to see the Universal title every week. You know, again, WWE's done a very poor job in booking this title like a legitimate championship. It has not been the case, starting with the Kevin Owens run, even though Kevin Owens held that belt for a long time. It never felt like an important championship. And I don't want to hear that, oh, it is an important championship because look at the guys that are holding it. Yeah, that's great that guys like Owens, guys like uh, uh, Brock Lesnar are holding the championship, guys like Goldberg. But 
you know, again, you know, it's not about who holds the bell. It's how the well. It's it's the way how the bell is being used, and it's not being used properly, especially now that we're not seeing the bell every single week, and we didn't see it with Goldberg. We're not seeing it with Brock Lesnar because they're part timers and they're not scheduled to make an appearance every single week, and that's bold because that belt should be on television every single week it's your top championship it has to be showcased and we're not going to get that with a guy like brock lesnar holding the championship it should not be held by part-timers full-timers deserve those belt more not a part-timer other stuff that happened on the show uh finn balor going against his uh former club buddies was very very awkward it was a uh a six-man tag team match uh between uh it was seth rollins uh big Cass, and Enzo was supposed to be the third guy, but they attacked Enzo Amore. They needed a different partner, and it was Finn Balor. I mean, it was not shocking to me once Enzo got hurt, and they said he was unable to compete in the match. You just had a feeling it was going to be Finn Balor. He didn't make an appearance on the show. There really wasn't anything else from the do, so he got involved in the match with uh, Samoa Joe and uh, the club. It was very strange to see him go after the club. Was it kind of cool maybe to see him uh, feud with uh, Anderson and Gals and, of course, rekindling his feud with uh, Samoa Joe from their glory days in NXT? But I was just not happy about it because I still think that these three should be together instead of fighting each other. I don't think this was the best way to to begin their interactions together. I would have started them off as a group and then maybe feud down the road. I wasn't happy they just wasted this opportunity to have this moment between these three guys because there's a history there. And they mentioned it on the broadcast that there is a history between Finn and, and Gals and Anderson because they formed the Bullet Club in uh, Japan. And I just think they should have saved this interaction for a better time, not in a wasted match at a go-home show for payback. And, you know, where is this going to head into? Because Gals and Anderson are doing something else. They're wrestling uh, Enzo and Cass on the payback kickoff. Samoa Joe is wrestling Seth Rollins, and what's Finn Balor doing? He's on Miz TV. I mean, you know, it, it's just kind of kind of a strange way to have Finn interact with Gallus and Anderson without any payoff. I would have saved their interaction for some other time, uh, but uh, it was still intriguing nonetheless to see um, you know the club and, and Finn Balor interact with one another, even though it was on opposite sides. That was the only thing I did not like about it, but. Again, you know, what are you going to do? Raw books the way they want to book. And uh, I wasn't a fan of it, but it was a good match overall. Continuing the Seth Samoa Joe storyline, I'm looking forward to that match this upcoming Sunday. Uh, Gallus and Anderson are starting a little bit of a feud now with Enzo and Cass. But again, Finn Balor back from injury. He's gone through two squash matches. He took part in the six-man tag match. It's good to see Finn Balor back in action. He's not overly, he's not that hurt that much because we all know what happened with him and Jinder Mahal. But at some point, you got to give Finn Balor a storyline. Hopefully, after this whole House of Horrors match that you know Bray and Randy are having, Bray and Finn can start their feud. But in terms of again the uh, the interaction between uh, Balor and and the club, uh, I was not happy that they wasted it at this moment. Save that for a better time. Make it a storyline. Don't let these guys face each other in a in a meaningless match. It, it just didn't make sense to me. But overall. Good solid match, but I would have saved the uh, the club interaction at some other time. Yeah, no, definitely me too. I thought it was very awkward, like you said, uh, when Finn Balor came out in replace of Enzo Amore and had to face his former best friends, Carl Anderson and you know Luke Gallows. Very, very strange. Uh, it was pretty cool to see them both in the ring together, uh, you know, in a WWE ring together. That's one thing we have yet to see. 
But, uh, you know, them being on opposite sides, you don't want to see that, obviously. You want to see them together uh, forming the club. I really, really thought they were going to do that at some point. But now I'm not so sure that they're ever going to do that at this point unless they turn Finn Balor heel, which really just I just don't see happening. I mean, you have very little faces at the moment right now. You really need to build that up. Uh, Finn Balor is the perfect face. He's very popular. Uh, you know, again, I just don't see them turning him heel. I'm hoping that they do have a major feud for him planned after this pay-per-view uh, because right now, like you said, he's doing absolutely nothing. I mean, it's it's pretty pathetic week after week. He's been just facing jobbers and, and not doing anything. And now he's featured on Miz TV on the kickoff show for the pay-per-view. I'm hoping it's just because of the super, superstar shakeup thing and they want to wait until his first pay-per-view is out of the way because this shakeup thing ruined everything. I mean, they got feuds all over the place. They got guys on different shows. I mean, it's a mess at the moment. So I'm hoping, you know, coming out of this, Finn Balor gets a good feud, uh, one that he deserves. Uh, you know, again, I just it's it's a tough situation right now because I thought for sure when he came back he was going to get his rematch for the Universal Title. Uh, but of course, now with Brock Lesnar holding that belt, and then Braun Strowman going for him after, and then possibly Roman Reigns going for him after, I don't see Finn Balor going back for his title for a long, long time. So I don't know what he does. Uh, like I said, I just hope it's it's a good feud because man, I mean, this guy deserves to do so more, so much more than what he's doing right now. So uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I was not really too happy to see him facing his former best friends uh, on Raw. I'm not overly concerned about what Finn's doing right now. I mean, it's a little bit of annoying, but uh, again, I just think that when this whole Bray and Randy stuff's over with, that we're going to see Finn in some sort of feud. I think they just want to get Finn back uh, to his normal self, get some matches, get some wins over some jobbers. Uh, I didn't think it was necessary to have him involved in this type of a match with uh, his, cl- his former club buddies, but uh, again, I just think they're saving time, waiting for this Bray-Randy feud to end. And I think after it's that's over, we're going to get a, a, a pretty intriguing feud between uh, Bray and uh, Finn Balor. Uh, other stuff that happened, uh, we also they had the uh, the women's segment between uh, Bailey Bliss, and Sasha Banks. It was okay, but I got to be honest, Ryan, I, I, I understand why they're doing this, but it's starting to get a very, very annoying is that every single time Bailey is out there, Sasha has to be involved as well. Now again, I'm, I see what I see where they're going with this. I understand why they're doing it because it's going to lead into a Sasha Bailey feud over the summer, which should happen. You know, again, I mentioned it before. Even though Alexa Bliss is the new, n- number one contender and very well deserving of being the the next women's champion. Nobody makes more sense of taking the belt off of Bailey than Sasha Banks because they have that friendship, they have that history, and I think that there's a better story there to have Sasha take the belt over Bailey than Alexa Bliss would. So uh, again, we'll give our predictions for payback a little bit later. But it is getting annoying, Ryan, to see every single segment Bailey's on. You know, we're seeing Sasha Banks right next to her. I get it; they're best friends, but uh, it's getting a little bit annoying now because now. When you sit there, you watch this stuff happen, you're just waiting. It's We're playing the waiting game right now. Like, all right, they're together every freaking segment. When are we going to see this heel turn? And we may not see it for a couple more months. I heard from reports and rumors that this heel turn from Sasha is not going to happen until like July, possibly early August. So we're still long ways away from that heel turn from Sasha. So is every single Monday going to be the same stuff with Sasha Banks telling Bailey how great she is and blah, 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 and this and that, because I'm not sure if I can handle it anymore, because every single every single time I've seen it, I'm like, it's it's getting annoying, it's the same old stuff. you got to let Bailey be on her own at some times, even though, yes, Bailey on the microphone has not been that great, and that's concerning, because Bailey, 
She was not bad on the microphone in NXT when she got the opportunity to speak, but on Raw, it's been an entirely different story. I'm not sure what it is, but I just I'm not connecting with her that much. Uh, it's just the way she speaks. I just don't know what she's saying uh, most of the time. Uh, and you can tell when, when she's in a, in a in a microphone battle with a girl like Alexa Bliss, she's not going to win. And this it was the same case as well for Charlotte. It's going to be the same case with Sasha. Those girls know how to talk, and B- Bailey's just not there. So, I mean, that's concerning with Bailey, and that's what's hurting her title run. It's been an okay run. But what's hurting it is that she's not doing that good of a job on the microphone. And that's something that she needs to work on. She's still young. She still has lots of room to grow. If there's one thing that she needs to fix desperately, it's her microphone skills. She's just not that good. She's not up to par to the rest of the women's division. But again, the segments with her and Sasha are getting annoying. Again, I know why they're doing it. But enough's enough, basically. We, we want to see something different. And we're not getting anything different. So uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, the Hardy Boys, Cesaro and Sheamus, this whole storyline to me, I'm not interested in it for the, this reason why. They're, they're rivals right now. They're, fi- they're fighting each other for the tag team belts this Sunday. But every single match these guys have, when it's over, they're shaking hands. I hate that. I, I really don't like that. When you see challenger, when you see rivals, you know, guys that are going to face each other at a pay-per-view, leading up to the pay-per-view... They have a couple of singles matches, and then they shake hands. I'm not a fan of that. You know, why should Cesaro and Sheamus shake the hands of the guys they're trying to take the belts off of? And why should the Hardys shake hands of two guys that are capable of taking the belts away from them? I'm not a fan of that type of storyline. I mean, this would be, I guess, a way of turning Cesaro and Sheamus heel. Uh, maybe this Sunday when the Hardy Boys probably beat them. Cesaro and Sheamus after the match... Uh, Give the Hardy Boys a beatdown because their frustration levels are continuing to grow. Because we've seen it now two weeks in a row. I think the Hardy Boys picked up wins over Sheamus and Cesaro on separate occasions. But uh, I'm just not a fan of the whole, all right, you beat us. We'll still respect. We'll still shake your hand. I'm not a fan of that. All right, You guys are rivals. You, you guys are facing each other for the tag team championships. You should not be shaking hands with each other. Because, again, you know the Hardy Boys, you, why are you shaking hands with two guys that are capable of taking your belts away and Cesaro and Sheamus, why are you shaking hands with guys that you're trying to take the belts off of? It doesn't make sense to me. Not a fan of that. Apollo Crews team with the, with Titus O'Neil. I mean, okay, I guess. It, it could be something for Crews to do because Crews deserves a lot better. But who knows if that will go anywhere. Uh, I, I don't really have that uh, much high expectations for that. Uh, and again, you know, Bray Wyatt. Where is he going right now, basically? And he gets involved in the last segment. It was a tag team match between. Uh, it was supposed to be Dean and, and Dean and um, uh, Chris Jericho versus uh, the Miz and a unknown partner. I, for one, thought it was gonna be Mike Bennett. It was not Mike Bennett. We're gonna have to wait for his debut to happen. But it was Bray Wyatt, and I'm sitting there like, all right, they got Bray to do something before his match with Randy Orton, but it had nothing to do with Randy Orton. It had to do with guys that, you know, he's not feuding with anybody. You know, why Why would Bray get involved with this type of match? Why would Bray accept the Miz's offer of being a tag team partner when there's no uh, path between him and Randy Orton? And I, and I said it on last week's show, you know, not having Randy on Raw and, well, excuse me, uh, separating Bray and Randy from each other because of the shakeup has killed this storyline. I mean, A, the belt is not on the line, which is so stupid. I'm sorry. 
The belt has got to be on the line. Makes no sense. You have this House of Horrors match. The belt should be on the line. It's not. Makes no sense. But you're trying to create a story. And you're trying to end this feud with Randy and Bray. But they're not on the same show. So it's so tough to have these two guys put together an intriguing matchup. And to, and to tell a great story when they're not on the same show. And that was so true this past Monday when Bray, yeah, he gave his little speech on what he's going to do to Randy Orton. But to end the show, he gets involved with 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 Dean, Jericho, Miz. For what reason? You know, what does this do for Bray Wyatt? Does it get him on a good start to Raw, I guess? Or does it get him ready for House of Horrors? How's that the case when the segment didn't involve Randy Orton? It's just weird, weird stuff, weird booking. But again, that's what happens. When you have a roster shakeup in the middle of a build-up to a pay-per-view, makes no sense. Should sh- again, you should have never done this roster shakeup in the middle of the payback build-up. This shakeup should have happened either the night after WrestleMania or right after payback. You can't do it in the middle of a build-up towards payback because now storylines that are going on. Into payback, some of the wrestlers involved in the storylines are on separate shows. Two to be specific. Randy and Bray on separate shows. Owens and Jericho on separate shows. You can't tell stories with two got with two opponents on separate shows. It's killing the storylines. And that is the case with Bray and Randy. I'm not sure what to expect from this House of Hardcore House of Horrors match. Am I looking forward to it? Maybe, because I'm intrigued to see what's gonna actually happen. But the storyline has just not been that great for the simple reason. Both Randy and Bray are on separate shows. And that's killing the storyline. So again, overall, not a great Raw. The, uh, the, 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 uh, excuse me, the, uh, the go-home show for going to Payback was not that successful. Because I didn't think there was any, you know, not a good job in furthering the storylines heading into this Sunday. With no Roman Reigns. With no Randy Orton, with no Kevin Owens, it just did not do a good job in making this payback show very intriguing this Sunday. So overall, it was not, to me, a very good Raw. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, the women's segment, I mean, that, that wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, Alexa Bliss, once again, stealing the show. She's just phenomenal on the microphone. I mean, there's no denying that. She is literally one of the stars right now. I mean, it, it's just, it's unbelievable how good she really is. Uh, even, like, controlling the crowd when they started the what chant, uh, and she's like, Alexa Bliss is the best, say what? And everybody said what? Again, the way she just controlled the crowd, I mean, she is just awesome. I mean, flat plain simple i mean that's why she's the number one contender that's why she's been getting all these opportunities i mean you know hats off to her she definitely deserves it like you said sasha banks coming out every single time bailey's out there is getting so frustrating to watch i'm starting to think that maybe they're sending sasha out there because of how bad bailey is on the microphone though i mean like you said brian she is just brutal to listen to her promos are terrible i mean you could tell that that's not one of her strong points uh but again, maybe that's why they keep sending Sasha out there is to help the segment because, my God, it is brutal when Bailey's out there on the microphone. So who knows? I mean, eventually I think Sasha and Bailey are going to feud. I mean, that's got to be the payoff to this, for God's sake. I mean, we've been waiting for Sasha Banks to turn heel for far too long now. I think that's the end game here. We want to see these two feuding. So, uh, you know, I, I get why they're doing it, like you said. But I'm starting to think that every single time uh, Bailey's out there, 
they're sending Sasha out there because it's just brutal to uh, to listen to. So who knows? But um, overall, it should be a good match this Sunday. I don't think Alexa's going to win. Like you said, we'll get into our predictions later. But, uh, you know, it's a strong segment, I think, for the most part. Uh, the Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro, like you said, it, this is wrestling, okay? Nobody tunes in for wrestling to see guys shaking hands leading into a match. Now, we want to see them feuding. We want to see a storyline. This is why we watch this stuff, okay? It's obviously scripted for a reason because it's entertaining. We don't want to see guys shaking hands. It's not intriguing to me. It's not going to get me excited for the upcoming match. I want to see these guys feuding with each other, and that's not what these two two teams are doing. They're basically respecting each other, shaking hands with each other. It, it, to me, like you said, Brian, it does nothing for me. So Hardy's going to win this Sunday. Um, I'd be shocked if this feud goes anywhere uh, you know, after this pay-per-view, I think Cardi boys will get new challengers, hopefully. Um, you know, but we'll see what happens. Like you said, it does absolutely nothing for me at the moment. Uh, where's Bray Wyatt going? Well, that seems to be the question of the uh, of the century concerning him and WWE because he had the WWE Championship a couple months ago, and now he is just demoted down to nothing, basically. And like you said, he got involved in the last segment. Why did he get involved? Who the hell knows? I mean, is he really going to get himself involved with The Miz right now? Is he really going to get himself involved with Dean Ambrose again? I mean, nobody wants to see that. We saw that already. We saw a long feud between Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt not too long ago. Bray Wyatt and the Miz feuding, that makes no sense because they're both heels. So what? what is the... Like, how does that make sense? Like you said, and the match this Sunday with him and Randy Orton, it's not even a title match. So that makes no sense right there either. So to me, Bray Wyatt is a mess. It, it really, I feel so bad for the guy. He's literally going to get nothing. Uh, to me, it, it's just... It, his segments do nothing for me anymore because I know that nothing is going to come about from it, basically. So, uh, to me, it was a very piss-poor ending to Raw. It really, really was. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's Raw in a nutshell, basically. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, but overall, I think the show is average at best. And then we move on to SmackDown, and SmackDown wasn't that great either, in my opinion. Maybe you think uh, differently, Ryan, but... Uh Going through SmackDown, the main event, of course, was the women's title match between Naomi and Charlotte. A uh, very good match, but was not surprised whatsoever with the finish. I think I predicted it this past Thursday that the women, the rest of the division, were going to get involved. And that's what we saw. Carmella, Natalia, Tamina all came out, attacked both Charlotte and Naomi. So the match ends in a no contest. Naomi's still your women's champion. One thing that tells me watching this segment is that we could be seeing a face turn for Charlotte. And that's what I've been reading as of late, that they want to make Charlotte the face of the women's division as a face. Now, do I agree with it? No, I don't, because you need a top heel as well to lead your women's division. You need a top face, and you need a top heel. Out of the women's division right now in SmackDown, who is that top heel? I mean, the closest is Natalia, but Natalia is nowhere near the talent that Charlotte is. Carmella, don't even get me started with Carmella. Tamina, possibly, but we don't know much about her as of late because she's had some injury problems. Becky Lynch, you can't turn her heel. She's too over as a face. And the same goes for Naomi, too over as a face. So... I'm not that much of a fan of seeing Charlotte turn face. And we all know Charlotte could be a good face. If you watched her in NXT, she was a very good face. But her heel work has been so damn good for the past two years. Why would you want to ruin it? She's so good as a heel. She does a lot more as a heel. She can say what she wants to say. As a babyface, she'll be fine. 
But in order for her to be a good babyface, she needs a top-notch heel to feud with. And that's something that SmackDown does not have right now. Again, the closest is Natalya, but Natalya is just nowhere near on the same level as Charlotte. So in my personal opinion and my thoughts about this, if I'm SmackDown... I am not turning Charlotte heel one bit. Keep, uh, excuse me, I'm not turning Charlotte face one bit. Keep her as a heel because that is what she does best. But it was a good match, and we'll see where this story goes from here. As it looks like we're going to see some sort of feud between uh, Charlotte, Naomi, and possibly Becky Lynch against uh, the, the other three women: uh, Natalia, Carmella, and Tamina. Uh, Randy Orton and Eric Rowan delivered a good solid no disqualification match, but it did absolutely nothing into furthering. The story between him and Bray Wyatt, again, just like Monday, did nothing. And like I said before, when you have these two guys on separate shows, how can you tell a good storyline? How can you create a solid buildup? They did not do that again. Uh, and, uh, Jinder Mahal going over Randy Orton and stealing his world championship. I know a lot of people were uh, very upset about that because, again, people are upset that Mahal's the number one contender. Now, for their sake, I thought it was a smart idea to have this happen because you want to make Mahal a legitimate threat for that championship. Him taking out Randy along with the Bollywood boys and stealing the championship is a good start to this storyline. Is it going to be better than this? Who the heck knows? I still I still don't have that much expectations of this being a great feud. It's going to be a one-off thing and then that's it. Who knows where Mahal goes after this because there's no chance in hell he's winning this championship from Randy Orton. I would be absolutely shocked if he wins this match, but he's not going to do it. We just, I just don't see it happening. But in order to create this storyline and to make this interesting at some some capacity, you need to do some interesting things. And having Mahal steal the championship is a pretty intriguing storyline, so we'll see uh, where they go with that. AJ Styles and Baron Corbin, another strong match. But again, did we need to see it? Uh, two weeks in a row, we see these guys face each other. Don't be like Raw, because that's what Raw did. They, they, re, they repeated matches every single week. Don't want to see the same thing with SmackDown. I mean, I get it. You got AJ and Corbin on television, but why face each other again? Makes no sense. Kevin Owens, of course, interfering, getting involved. Sami Zayn coming out, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was a lean to a tag team match. Did not. That was it. Kind of confusing. I thought that would be... Something safe from later later on. Maybe next week they'll have a tag team match. Who the heck knows? But uh, uh, Shinsuke and Dolph Ziggler segment was just god awful. I, I was not a fan of it whatsoever. Uh, simply because Dolph made it awful. It wasn't Shinsuke's fault. Um, I, I I I mentioned it to Ryan off the air texting him this on Tuesday. I'm not a fan of seeing Shinsuke talk that much. I want to I want to see Shinsuke keep his uh. His uh, sentences, his comments, just short and sweet, and don't go off rambling and rambling like he did. But Dolph basically explained what Shinsuke is and who he's all about just was so weird and confusing. You know, I, I get it. He was calling him Michael Jackson, and that is Shinsuke's one of Shinsuke's idols was Michael Jackson. That's you know when you see him walking out with the red leather pants and the red jacket, and he does all these hand gestures and this, his his body movement. Very similar to Michael Jackson. And that's good to see that, you know, Shinsuke has an inspiration. But the way Dolph was explaining about, you know, referring to Michael Jackson, the way he was explaining it was just so odd and confusing. I go, this segment is going nowhere. I mean, you're trying to build a storyline between Dolph and Shinsuke. you got to do a better job than that. I mean, you should have just had Dolph continue to say Shinsuke is an absolute joke, blah, 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 instead of him making Michael Jackson jokes. It did nothing. 
I like Shinsuke's response saying, what's your problem, Dolph, and this and that, and basically interpreting Japanese, because Dolph said, oh, let me, uh, uh, for you fans that don't understand Shinsuke, this is what he's all about. Uh, but that segment just went nowhere. They got to do a better job with this storyline. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura, it's good to see him get a good a, a good start to feuding-wise in the WWE, feuding with Dolph Ziggler, who's been there, who's done that. But the build-up has got to be a whole lot better. So those were some of the stuff that took place on SmackDown. But nothing really stood out to me. You know, SmackDown's gearing up for Backlash in a couple of weeks. And uh, some matches right now are locked. Mahal and Randy Orton. Uh, Owens and Styles should be a good one. Uh, Brizongo now the next number one contender for the tag team belts. Good for them. They deserve it. Some people were not happy about it. How could you not? I mean, yeah. What what has Brizongo done on the main roster? Not a whole lot, but not their fault. The booking for these guys has been poorly. We know how good these two guys can be. I mean, their singles run have not gone well, but it's a duo. Fandango and Tyler Breeze have a good, strong connection. So I'm happy to get this opportunity. And SmackDown's keeping their word. They are the land of opportunity. Who the, going to backlash? Whoever would think that Jinder Mahal would get a world title shot, and whoever thought that Breezango would get a tag team title shot? No one would ever think that. So to, to see those three get title shots, I guess good for them. I'm still not a fan of Mahal getting it. Breezango, on the other hand, I'm happy for them. They deserve the opportunity. The booking on these guys has been poor. And it's good to see a different challenger for the Usos. Because I was expecting the American Alpha to get it back. But no. They went a different direction. Gave it to Brizongo. Good for them. We'll see what happens with their storyline. But overall, SmackDown to me, not that great. But we'll see what happens in the next coming weeks as it gets set for Backlash. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing too special. But I mean, I don't think it was uh, all that bad. Uh, to start off the show, Nakamura coming out was good, but Dolph Ziggler coming out was awful. I mean, like you said, Brian, his jokes were not funny. Um, I don't think anybody really latched on to the fact that there were Michael Jackson jokes. Uh, you know, at first I didn't even realize that. I mean, it was just awful. The way he was delivering them was awful. And, uh, you know, I don't even think it's so much Nakamura talking because I get what you're saying. I mean, you know, obviously they're probably not going to have him talk all that much. I mean, his his English is actually solid for somebody who's Japanese like that. Uh, you know, you can understand what he's saying, but I don't think that's what they they want, you know, on their on their programming. I don't want think they want him to give long promos like that. So I mean a couple of words here and there, I don't think it's that bad. But Dolph Ziggler, my God, he ruined the whole entire segment. I mean it was just awful to sit there and listen to. But once they started getting physical, it got all right. Uh, looks like that'll be a match at the upcoming Backlash pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, again, we said this before. Dolph Ziggler is a good first opponent for Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, it just, just, the promo's got to get better. The, the, the build-up has got to get better. I mean, because, again, it was just brutal to sit there and listen to. Again, Dolph Ziggler not delivering the jokes the way he should have. Uh, AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, did we really have to see that again? We saw that the past couple of weeks. I don't think it was necessary uh, you know, after Kevin Owens is done with Jericho this Sunday, um, it'll be, you know, Jericho, I mean, uh, AJ and Kevin Owens battling it out for the United States Championship. So looking forward to that feud. Uh, Baron Corbin looks like he's entering a feud with Sami Zayn now. So that's good. It gives him something to do and it gives Sami Zayn something to do. Uh, you know, Breezango getting the title shot for the Usos. I love that. Like you said, Brian, they deserve the opportunity. I mean, who would have ever thought that they would even become number one contenders in the first place? I thought American Alpha were for sure going to get that spot. Uh, you know, obviously the Beat the Clock challenges. I thought American Alpha was going to win that. But, you know, Brizango won in like, I think it was like two minutes and 30 seconds. I mean, it was unbelievable. 
uh, you know, good for them. Like you said, I don't think they're going to win the belts, but hey, good for them. Good to see them get the opportunity. They're awesome together. Uh, the Randy Orton, Eric Rowan match was okay for a no disqualification match on free TV. It was, wasn't terrible. Uh, Post match, though, you had Jinder Mahal coming out, like you said. And uh, him beating down Randy Orton with the Bollywood Boys was good. Him stealing the WWE Championship, too, is good. I mean, it adds some intrigue to this. Like you said, not a huge fan of Jinder Mahal being the number one contender. I mean, I don't think anybody is. But him stealing the belt adds some intrigue and it adds some. Uh, you know, a much-needed spark to this rivalry It's going to go down, uh, because as of right now, I don't really care for this match. Nothing really, it, it makes me think that Jinder Mahal has even a shot to win this belt, but him stealing it, it it's good. It adds to the storyline, so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next week. And you know what? It's good, though, that he took the belt, because now Randy Orton won't have the belt on Sunday when he faces Bray Wyatt, because that would have looked really stupid if Randy Orton comes out with the championship, and it's a no, it's the match isn't even for the championship. And again, they're fighting for nothing. So, you know, if Orton doesn't have the belt, it looks a little bit better uh, for his upcoming match with Bray Wyatt at the pay-per-view. So that was good. Uh, and then, you know, you had the main events between Naomi and Charlotte, which, you know, I thought Charlotte was going to actually win the belt. But, uh, you know, they've been building up this Natty, Carmella, Tamina little faction of where, you know, they're, they're jealous. They... They don't want to see Charlotte become a champion or whatever. So he's kind of figured that they were going to get involved, and that's exactly what they did. They got involved. They interfered. And like you said, looks like Charlotte could be turning heel. Um, I expect that backlash. I expect, you know, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Naomi against uh, Carmella, Natalia, and Tamina or something along the lines of that. Uh, Charlotte will probably get the title at some point, but I'm glad they didn't go that route right yet because it's too soon, and Naomi deserves a longer reign than this. So... You know, curious to see what happens with the women's division, but uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that bad uh, to end SmackDown. So overall, like you said, Brian, not the best SmackDown. Nothing really stood out to me either. Uh, but I think after this pay per view, uh, leading up to Backlash, things will start to get better. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But again, you know, I mean, again, uh, not a very eventful SmackDown. But uh, yeah, some stuff happened. I'm again, I'm happy for Breezango getting this opportunity for the uh, tag team belts. Uh, Charlotte, Naomi delivered a good solid main event match, but again, you know, no results, but could be an intriguing storyline moving forward. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming weeks. Moving on to NXT, uh, I, again, I thought it was another good episode last night for NXT. Uh, the main event match between Bate, Tyler Bate and Jack Gallagher for the UK title was very, very good. Just a great display of technical skills, man. These two guys put a technical masterpiece last night. Uh, Tyler Bate, the more I watch this guy, the more I'm impressed with him. I mean, he's only 20 years old or 19, whatever age he is. But he's under the age of 21, and he's one of the best in the world, I think. You know, the more you watch this guy, the more you got to be impressed with him. This guy does so much. He can wrestle technically. He can do some high-flying stuff. He can hit you hard. He, he does. He has that British strong style to him. He is a very intriguing talent, and I see why, you know, Triple H and the uh, the officials there of WWE put the belt on this kid. Because when you look back at the UK tournament and you said, "All right, who is going to be the first champion?" You would think Pete Dunne or even Trent Seven could win that belt, but they went with Tyler Bate, and you sat there and go, "Hmm, you know, they gave it to Tyler Bate. What's the what's the point?" Because we didn't, because he's too young. You know, why does why does he deserve this belt over Pete Dunne, who's more of an experienced guy? And we're starting to see it now. Bate is a pretty damn good talent. He's over with the fans. And he just he just continues to get better and better every single time he's in the ring wrestling guys like Jack Gallagher and some of the other best wrestlers in the world today. So uh, good to see Tyler Bate get the win over Jack Gallagher. 
Uh, we continue to hear about the upcoming UK show. Um, we, we're not sure when it's going to happen, but we all know there's going to be a weekly show for the United Kingdom uh, talents on the WWE Network. Am I a fan of it? I am not a fan of it. I, I don't think these guys should be wasted on their own show. Because, look, I mean, Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Mark Andrews, these guys can do so much better than they have their own show. Have these guys in NXT, man. Pete Dunne, let him chase the NXT championship. He would be great with that, with, uh, with the rest of the talent. Uh, Mark Andrews, to me, is a cruiserweight. I think he'll be great on 205 Live. Trent Seven can make an impact with Tyler Bate. Uh, reform Mustache Mountain, make him a tag team. Because, look, NXT needs tag teams. You can reform Mustache Mountain in NXT, have Bait and Seven chase after the NXT tag team belts. I'm just not a fan of the fact that they're having another weekly show. It's just too much for us wrestling fans because now we got to focus on another show. We've already got to deal with Raw. we got to deal with SmackDown. we got to deal with NXT, 205 Live every single week. And now we're going to get a new show in the UK show. I'm just not a fan of it. Let these UK talents are better off doing other things than having their own show. Again, Pete Dunne in NXT will be awesome. Mark Andrews in the Cruiserweight division would be awesome. Um, again, Mustache Mountain, Bait and Seven back together. They would be great for the NXT Tag Division. Having their own show, I don't know what to expect from it. Should it be interesting? Maybe, but I- I'm not going to be a fan of it. But, uh, yeah, that was a-, a good match between Bait and Gallagher. Um, I mean, Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot, man, they have some chemistry together. I mean, this is good to see because... For so long in the NXT Women's Division, we've only seen one feud take place. And that one feud was always for the Women's Championship. But now, we're starting to see two feuds. We have the Asuka undefeated streak, where everyone is gunning for a title. And we have the Ruby Riot-Nikki Cross feud. And that's good to see. And that shows you how deeper this NXT Women's Division is starting to get. All right, They're getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's going to get even more deeper when this women's tournament happens over the summer. Because I promise you, a lot of the female talent from that tournament are going to be a part of NXT and a part of the Women's Division. Hopefully, they don't get their own show either. If they do that, that would be the stupidest thing in the world. But... Again, you know, for so long, the women's division of NXT has been such a concern. Ever since they lost, you know, the four horsewomen, they lost Alexa Bliss, they lost Nia Jax, Carmella. We, we, we sat here in the show saying that, you know, the women's division's in bad shape. Triple H's going to have to find some new women's talent to lead the brand. And he's done that with Asuka, with Ember Moon, with Nikki Cross, and with the new additions of Kimberly. Uh, Ruby Riot and some other names are going to be making appearances on NXT in the upcoming months with this women's tournament coming up. Uh, we've, of course, we're still waiting for Candice LeRae to see her on television. She's uh, was a part of the recent TV taping, so we're going to see Candice LeRae on NXT. She's a pretty big name. And there's some other names that are going to make appearances pretty soon. So just good to see that the women's division is doing some important things. And, I mean, the, the chemistry between Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross is just so damn good. I mean, both these guys, excuse me, both these girls have just that crazy attitude, man, where they take risks. They don't care what happens to themselves. They're going to kill each other whatsoever. Love the brawl. Very good stuff there. Uh, Aylers to Black again with another squash victory. I mean, you know, again, it's just a way to get uh, Aylers to Black started. I think pretty soon they're going to have to start putting a storyline in front of Aylers to Black because he's going to be a big deal in NXT. You can tell with the vignettes they did for this guy. With the, with the way they present this guy every single week when he's on NXT, there's going to there's gonna be a big push for this guy in the future. And at some point now, 
we're coming to a stage where he has to start a storyline. With who? Who the heck knows? The squash matches have been a good start for this guy, but again, at some point in the next coming weeks, we need to see Alias to Black take part in a major storyline. Again, with who? Not sure. Maybe with Sanity after Eric Young's done. Uh, with Ty Dillinger now out of the picture, maybe they can start a feud with, uh, between Black and uh, Eric Young. Uh, maybe have him feud with Chris Hero, basically. I mean, rekindle their uh, rivalry back in the independent scene. So, uh, But Alyssa Black, again, very impressive with the victory over Kona Reeves as he continues to roll on. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Andrade Almas. A good match, but to me, it just wasn't given enough time. And that's what happens when you're having a, a big match like this on, on NXT television every week. You know, I, I would have saved this for TakeOver Chicago. That would have been a very good first uh, TakeOver card match for Drew McIntyre as to him to have him wrestle Andrade Almas. But wasn't the case. Uh, McIntyre picked up the win over Almas. I'm not a fan that he that his finisher is that you know, that running kick. I, I'd rather see him use his uh, trademark DDT finisher. I guess they don't want to have him use the same finisher as Dean Ambrose does, but you can also make the case that McIntyre is using the same move that Roderick Strong's using, so I think they should change his finisher, but McIntyre looks looks great again. Almas in defeat. Looks solid. I like, again, I like this character change for Almas. He's becoming much more of a better talent um, in NXT with his heel turn. So overall, NXT continues to nail it. Um, looking forward to TakeOver Chicago. Uh, the matches for the show should be announced in the next coming weeks on TV. Three matches we all know are definite. Um, you have Bobby Roode versus Hideo Itami for the NXT Championship. Should be great. Uh, Fatal 4 match for the women's title. Asuka, Ember Moon, Nikki Cross, Ruby Riot, And the uh, tag team ladder match between uh, DIY and the Authors of Pain should be great as well. So overall, very good NXT, man, as they continue to roll on with their show every single week. Yeah, I mean, it was an awesome show overall, like you said. I mean, I love seeing Tyler Bate featured on the show. Uh, it's always great seeing him defend his belt uh, against, you know, Jack Gallagher. They had a great match. I mean, they have re really great chemistry together. Jack Gallagher is one of the best cruiserweights that they have out there, and I'm sure Vince McMahon is high on this guy because uh, out of everybody, you know, this guy was the one to, uh, that was picked to debut in the Royal Rumble. This is the guy that's been featured a lot. On 205 Live, he's had a big feud with Darian Davari on 205 Live. I mean, this guy's gotten a lot of race. He's one of the most popular cruiserweights. And to see him go one-on-one -on -one with Tyler Bate, that was pretty good stuff right there. Uh, you know, the upcoming UK show, I'm definitely not a fan of either. I mean, Brian's going to be the same exact thing as 205 Live right now. It's, you know, I'm probably going to watch that more than 205 Live, hopefully, because I am a fan of guys like Trent Seven, Pete Dunne, and all of them. I mean, not saying I'm not a fan of some of the cruiserweights, but uh, some of those cruiserweights need more characters for me to really be invested in them. But, you know, guys like Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, they got a role. So, I mean, I'd be definitely more intrigued with that than I am with 205 Live. But again, it's not really saying much because, you know, again, what is this show going to be? It's going to be revolved around one title. So again, the problem is you're going to have one major feud for the belt. And then what's the rest of the show going to be? It's just going to be random matches that are thrown together that have no meaning whatsoever. So again, to me, it's a waste of time. Does that mean we're not going to see Pete Dunne or Trent Seven or Tyler Bate or any of these guys on Raw or SmackDown ever because they're they're just you know they have to stay on their show like it, to me it just makes no sense it's stupid it's more content for the WWE Network I get it 
They're trying to get more subscribers the best way they can. But to me, it just it doesn't do anything for me because some of these guys are going to be trapped on that show when some of them deserve to be on Raw and SmackDown feuding with the top dogs over there. So I'm not a fan of it, but we'll see how it all plays out and we'll see how long it does last. Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross, like you said, they have great chemistry together. They killed it, so it's good to see there. Uh, looking forward to them being involved in the women's title feud come uh, TakeOver Chicago. Uh, like you said, A-Lister Black, this guy definitely has to have big plans in store for him. I mean, just the, his, the presentation behind him, the entrance, his theme song. I mean, the way he just comes in the ring and just sits down and he's very just quiet. And then just bam, he just does one move out of nowhere and he wins matches. I mean, this guy, they definitely have to have big plans for him because I just, I don't see how you don't at this point. But like you said, it, this guy definitely needs to get involved in a feud. I mean... I don't know what he's going to do with TakeOver Chicago, but he just can't keep having squash matches. It's not going to work. Throw him into a feud. I don't really know who he would feud with. Because uh, I, I can't really tell if this guy's a heel or a face at the moment. I really can't. So who knows what's going to happen. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't talk. He doesn't go on the microphone. doesn't look like he ever will. So to me, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. But you got to think this guy definitely has big plans in store for him. And like you said, Drew McIntyre and Andrade Almas had a good match. Uh, if it was on a, a takeover event, I think it would have gotten more time and it would have been better. But for you know a, an average ta uh, you know NXT episode, I thought the match was solid. Again, given more time, they probably could have done something even more special. But like you said, Drew McIntyre continues to shine. It's great to see him back. And uh, you know he's just getting his feet wet because it's only a matter of time before he goes for the NXT Championship. So overall, like you said, Brian, another great episode, and the upcoming weeks should be good as well, leading into Takeover Chicago. And then the other thing that happened on last night's episode, I really want to get into this, is the whole piece on Roderick Strong. Um, first and foremost, what a great, great, great piece about Roderick Strong's life and how he started. That was so cool to see because, you know, Roddy's been with NXT now since October, and he really hasn't done anything impactful yet. I mean, yeah, he has a takeover win over Andrade Almas. He also took part in a big uh, eight-person tag match at TakeOver Orlando. But when you've seen so far Roderick Strong's uh, run with NXT, he has not been that impactful because he really hasn't had a storyline to work with. He's just been doing regular matches without no direction of character. And last night, watching NXT basically spotlight Roderick Strong's life about how his parents and they had the issues of drugs and alcohol use and where he grew up in a bad neighborhood and how he started getting into wrestling. He was trained by Jim Neidhart. Um, it was just an inspiring story about Roger Strong's life. I, I didn't even know that Roddy went through all that at the young at his young age with his uh, father and mother going through ma major, major addictions. Uh, just such a cool story about Roger Strong. But that also tells me that WWE... Is starting to try is, is starting to plant the seeds on you know creating something special for Roderick Strong because look this guy is so talented that he should not be in the position where he is in right now all right because right now Roderick Strong he he's been mostly doing just matches without any character and that that was my concern with Roddy when he signed with NXT when we talked about this when he signed I was like we all know how good of a wrestler he is he's one of the best wrestlers in the world technically. One of the best. You know, he cannot have a bad match with anybody. The concern with Roddy's future with the WWE will come down to his character. And his character, we don't know what his character is in NXT. We all know the whole Roddy versus the world thing is a big deal to him. But we haven't seen enough of that in NXT. He hasn't really talked a lot. He's been just wrestling, basically. 
I personally think for Riot to succeed in NXT, he has to turn heel. If you watch his heel work in both PWG and and, and Ring of Honor, that's when Roddy was at his best because Roddy was more cocky. He spoke a lot more. The guy did what he wanted to do. And when you when you see him come off as cocky as he does, man, you, you want to hate this guy because he is cocky. You can tell when you look at his face, you look at his personality, you can tell that he has a cocky attitude. But we're not seeing it on full display because he's a face. And we don't see faces that cocky. So I think personally for Ryde to succeed in NXT... He's got to turn heel because that's when Roddy is at his best is when he's a bad guy. Again, just watch his stuff in Ring of Honor and in PWG when he was a bad guy. Some great stuff. He had a character. He was more open. He said what he wanted to say. And that's when and that's where I think he would be utilized best. But as of right now, he's still a face. And, I was, and it was just good to see... Um, to see them spotlight Roddy last night, because again, ever since he came to NXT in October, they really haven't done that much with Roderick Strong. But to see them, you know, give him a nice little piece last night about his story. He has another one next week, part two of his story, probably talking about more of how he grew up in the independent scene and how he made his way to NXT. Can't wait for that. Uh, just a cool, cool moment for Roderick Strong, because it definitely meant a lot to him. Because, look, they brought his family into this storyline about his mom, his dad. He's got a family now. He's he just uh, – his uh, wife or fiance just gave birth to a baby boy. Congratulations, Roddy, on that. And, and it's just good to see WWE finally putting the effort in into spotlighting Roger Strong. Because, again, this guy is so talented that he should be in a better position. He should have a storyline. He should have a character. And that is something that he does not have right now. He's got no direction, and he deserves better than that because Roddy is very good. He's a very good talent, has been one of the best talents in the world for the past five to five to ten years. He's been around for a long time, and he's been a big-time star throughout the world. And he's getting this opportunity to succeed in NXT. He deserves it. But again, he won't go anywhere if he doesn't have a character. You could be a great wrestler all you want. In WWE, if you don't have a character... You're not going to succeed. That's a fact. Not my opinion. It's a fact. We've seen that a bunch of times with certain superstars where they are good wrestlers. But when you don't have a character, you're not going to go anywhere. And that's where Roddy's right is at right now. So hopefully coming off this little piece and this little spotlight on Roderick Strong, they go somewhere with this guy. Again, if I, if I was NXT booking Roderick Strong, I would book this guy as a bad guy. He's a better heel than a, than a face. He can work a face. But he's better off as a bad guy because he's more open to do more stuff than he does as a face. So again, though, last night, if you did not watch the episode of NXT and you missed out on the Roderick Strong piece about his life, check it out. It's awesome. A lot of wrestlers on Twitter talked about it and how great the piece was. Very, very cool stuff. Cannot wait to see part two next week. And we'll see what happens moving forward with Roderick Strong because, again, this guy has been now in NXT for a couple months. He's feeling more comfortable with the brand. Now it's time to start utilizing Roger Strong the right way. Give him a character and let him develop feuds. Let this guy get involved with big storylines. He hasn't done that yet. Now is the time to utilize Roger Strong to the best of his abilities. And to me, the best way to do that is to turn this guy heel. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a great piece, like you said. 
definitely, I mean, awesome stuff. I mean, WWE does a great job always of all these like little documentaries and promo videos and stuff like that. And it's interesting that they gave it to him and they 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 built this on him because you don't see them giving you know one of these videos for somebody like a Drew McIntyre or a Bobby Roode or a Shinsuke Nakamura. Like we didn't really see this, but. They're doing this with Roderick Strong now. They're spotlighting him. There's got to be a reason behind it. Like you said, Brian, this guy should turn heel because it's always easier to be a heel than it is to be a face. I mean, a lot more people succeed when they're heels rather than when they're faces. I mean, wrestlers will tell you that, you know, for firsthand for themselves from experience. Randy Orton has said in, in interviews numerous times how he loves being a heel because he feels like he could succeed more. It's really, really tough to be a face. It, it is. It's tough to get people to like you, but it's really easy to have people, you know, hate on you because, again, you don't really have to do much. You could literally just, sh you know, shit-talk the crowd and basically talk trash, and people will boo you and hate you and chant you suck. So it's always easier to be a heel rather than a face. And like you said, Roddy Strong needs a character. That's something he's always lacked. And you know, like you said, Brian, it's not your opinion. It's a fact. If you don't have a character, you're not going to succeed. You're not. The fans aren't going to get behind you. They're not going to want to see you. They're going to think you're boring when you're out there. And to me, I mean, I don't think Roderick Strong's boring because, you know, obviously I've been watching this guy for a while, so I'm a fan of his. But to me, he's just a really, really good wrestler. There's nothing more to him. And again, that's the problem. That's why he needs a character. He needs something because he's not going to succeed. I don't think he's going to go far whatsoever in WWE if he don't have something behind him. So it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, they need to do something. But it is interesting. They are spotlighting his life. And there's got to be a reason behind that. Like I said, he hasn't really done much lately. He hasn't really been in any big feuds. He's just had really good matches on these TakeOver shows. Uh, but again... He hasn't had a good feud, and again, I think the part of the reason is because he has no character, so the fans are not going to get behind him as much. So again, I agree with you 100%. This guy should turn heel. I think that's the only way for him to really succeed right now. I mean, let him turn heel. Let him, you know, fans get behind him, whether they boo him, cheer him, whatsoever. And then somewhere down the line, you could always turn him face again. I mean, we see that all the time where people constantly going from heel to face and face to heel. But right now, I think to get him started on the right foot, he needs to be a heel. Uh, like you said, a bunch of people on Twitter talking about this piece on him. Even Ronda Rousey acknowledged it on her Twitter account, and that's pretty big news right there, too, because Ronda Rousey, ever since losing in UFC back in December, she's been very, very quiet on social media and everything. And the fact that she actually tweeted about it, I, I believe she tweeted, who is Roderick Strong, and she tweeted the link to the video. That says something right there. So, uh, you know, pretty big piece on him, part two next week. So, like I said, there's got to be a reason behind this. They gotta get the ball, you know, moving with Roderick Strong here because he's way too talented to be wasted. Well, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that about Ronda Rousey tweeting it. Uh, I know uh, she's been to a couple PWG shows, and maybe she knows Roderick Strong from there because, of course, Ronda Rousey's a uh, California girl, and there's videos on YouTube of her taking part in PWG shows, so maybe she knows Roddy from there. But that's pretty cool when you get uh, yeah. the respect from a a UFC legend, basically, in Ronda Rousey. So that's pretty cool. I think actually Roderick Strong's wife was one of Ronda Rousey's uh, friends in that little four horsemen, four horsewomen group or whatever that Ronda formed. Ah. I think his wife uh, is, is really good friends with Ronda. I think that could be why as well. But yeah, very interesting to see her tweet about it.
Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. But again, you know, a lot, a lot of wrestlers. Noam Dar. We saw uh, Nat and Natalia. Some other big knees throughout the independent, throughout the wrestling world, not just WWE, but all over the world. Just shows you the respect that Roderick Strong has because he's been wrestling all over the world. He's made a name for himself, and this is a one of the coolest guys from what I've heard. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. So again, good to see Roddy get this type of spotlight. But again, without no character, he's not going to succeed. So hopefully. In the future, WWE finds something for Roderick Strong so that he can be utilized to the best of his ability. Uh, moving on now from WWE, we got to talk about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, a couple of title changes took place this past morning. Uh, the Never Openweight Championship has a new champion. Uh, as Hiroki Goto took on Minoru Suzuki for the belt. And Suzuki, to me, shockingly, became the new champion. Uh, I did not watch any of the... Any of the matches on this past show, but uh, Suzuki's a new champion. That's kind of interesting, but good for Suzuki. You know, he made his comeback to New Japan Pro Wrestling with his faction, Suzuki Gun, the night at the Wrestle Kingdom. Ever since then, they haven't done anything significant. Uh, you know, Suzuki had his world title opportunity versus uh, Okada. He lost that match. He was eliminated in the first round of the New Japan Cup to Shibata. Um... Hasn't done anything significant, but now he's a new Never Openweight Champion. That's good for Suzuki. Gets him going in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So big congratulations to him. But with Suzuki Gun getting a belt, they lost two belts as the champions, the junior heavyweight champions, Taiche and Yoshinobu Kinmaru, are no longer the IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions. That belt, those belts now belong. To Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero of Rapongi Vice. Uh, good for Rapongi Vice. They are the tag team champions. The junior heavyweight tag team champions of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you can just tell that at some point that Rapongi Vice and the Young Bucks are going to have their feud once again take place when the Bucks return to Japan. These two teams are going to go at each other once again for the belts. There's a story between these two teams. There's a history together. They will put together a good feud back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, yeah, those are big things going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Never Openweight Champion Minoru Suzuki over Hiroki Goto. And new Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions and Rapongi Vice. Uh, as we get set for more shows coming up for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we're also gearing up for the big show. Um... In the summer for Dominion, also coming up, of course, the uh, uh, the best of the Super Juniors tournament. So, new champions crowned this morning. Suz Minoru Suzuki, new uh, Never Openweight champion. And we also have new uh, tag team champions in uh, Rocky Romero and Rapongi, uh, Rocky Romero and Trent Rivera of Rapongi Vice. Yeah, it was a good event this morning. I actually checked it out. Uh, you know, very good match for the junior tag team titles where Rapongi Vice did beat Suzuki Gun. Uh, like you said, Brian, I mean, Minoru Suzuki gained a belt and, uh, you know, his uh, his members actually lost their tag team titles. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I like to see, you know, a faction hold all the belts similar to what LIJ, uh, you know, does. Uh, but, of course, that didn't happen as Rapongi Vice wins it back for the fourth time. So good for them. That match stole the show on the entire card. I mean, basically... That match and the Never Open Weight match were the only two title matches. The other matches were just build-up matches for uh, the event this Saturday and the event next Wednesday, uh, Dantaku. Uh, you know, this Saturday, it's Juice Robinson versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. You have Ricochet versus Hiromu Takahashi, uh, you know, for that uh, junior heavyweight title. And then you have... Uh, Tanahashi versus Evil in a big-time matchup there. So those three matches will be taking place on Saturday and a couple of other matches taking place on Dantaku next week, uh, such as Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii. 
Kazuchika Okada and Bad Luck Fale. So, you know, a couple of big-time matches coming up. But, like I said, the junior tag team title match absolutely stole the show between Rapongi Vice and Suzuki Gun. Great match there. And Minoru Suzuki versus Hiroki Goto was a very solid main event. Uh, you know, it was very slow at some point, so Suzuki putting in a lot of uh, submission holds. Uh, but Goto is, is, is a really underrated talent, in my opinion, in New Japan. He's very, very solid. Uh, so they really put on a, a solid performance. And to my surprise, too, Brian, Minoru Suzuki finally wins singles gold in New Japan. I actually looked it up. This is his first singles title in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, he was in New Japan before he was in Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, which is where he came from when he returned to New Japan. And he never won a singles title in his previous run with New Japan. He only won uh, the IWGP tag team title with somebody else, but he never actually won singles belt. Uh, so here he is, his first singles gold as a member of the New Japan roster. So it's good for him. I expect Hiroki Goto to get his rematch somewhere down the line. But it's nice to see Minoru Suzuki holding gold, finally. I've been waiting for this ever since he returned, so it's good to see. Uh, overall, it's a good event. And like you said, Brian, a couple of big-time events coming up for New Japan this Saturday and next Wednesday. And Ring of Honor as well is gearing up for their big uh, tour, War of the Worlds, which will, of course, be a three-tour um, three event. You have, of course, a show in Toronto, Canada, where Kenny Omega will be making his uh, Ring of Honor return with the Young Bucks. Um, you also have the, the show in Dearborn, Michigan, but the biggest show will take place on May the 12th. It's a Friday at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. It is the War of the Worlds pay-per-view, and over the past couple of days, Ring of Honor has announced which matches will take place on the card. And man, the match card looks pretty damn good. We uh, will start off, Cody Rhodes is, is announced that he will be competing in a triple threat match. For the Ring of Honor World Championship now, we all know the second guy will be Christopher Daniels because he's the current champion. The third guy is up for grabs. I'm going to say Jay Lethal is going to get that opportunity. Uh, I'm not sure who else would be would be in that match, but uh, I think Daniels, Cody Rhodes, Jay Lethal will have a tremendous triple threat match for the Ring of Honor Championship. That would be must-see. Uh, Matt Seidel will be challenging Marty Scurll for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. That is going to be an awesome match. Uh, Sidell back in Ring of Honor. He's been out of uh, Ring of Honor for a little while now. He's back. Marty Scurll, red hot right now in Ring of Honor as the current champion. Um, the Young Bucks are in tag team action against LIJ members uh, Tetsuya Naito and Bushi. That is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the... Uh, the confrontation that the Bucks had with Naito, those three guys are just so charismatic. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Adam Cole versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, that is a dream match, especially for Adam Cole. He's mentioned it before that his dream opponent is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Well, Adam Cole's getting that opportunity to face Tanahashi, possibly Cole's final match in Ring of Honor. As we have all know that his contract is up pretty soon and that he's probably on his way to WWE. So uh, that's pretty cool to see. Uh, Jay White versus Will Ospreay also announced. That was announced today. Two of the best young rising stars in the wrestling world going at it. So, man, some big matches being announced for Ring of Honor's World of the Worlds Tour, especially in New York City where I'm going to be there. You're going to be there, Ryan. Some of the big uh, supporters of our show are going to be there. It's going to be a hostile takeover, to say the least, for the uh, the wrestling community. So, again, May 12th, World of the Worlds Tour, New York City, Hammerstein Ballroom, man. It's going to be an awesome show. So many big matches, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Ring of Honor always, always stacks the hell out of the card. Every single time they come to New York, it seems like. I mean, in general, I think Ring of Honor stacks every card. I mean, I've yet to see a bad Ring of Honor show. The pay-per-views have always been great. The shows I've attended live have always been great. 
and this one looks to be unbelievable. Like you said, every single match that was announced, I mean, is awesome. Every single match. Usually in a pay-per-view, you, you have like you know one or two matches maybe that you're not really all that interested in or you're not that intrigued about. And, you know, it's okay because you need a break every now and then. You can't just, you know, obviously, you know, you have you know one great match after the next after the next. That really doesn't happen often. But in Ring of Honor, man, it does. And it definitely will happen at this pay-per-view because every single match that has been announced so far has been awesome. And there's still more to be announced. There's more to come. Um, but, man, I can't wait for the Young Bucks versus Naito and Bushi. Like you said, seeing the Young Bucks interacting with Naito is something we have not seen before. That It really has not happened in New Japan, so that's going to be definitely intriguing to watch. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Adam Cole, one-on-one -on -one for the first time. Could be Adam Cole's farewell as it could be his last pay-per-view for Ring of Honor, so that will be interesting stuff right there. A triple threat main event between Cody Rhodes. You'd assume it would be Christopher Daniels because he is taking on Matt Taven at the uh, War of the Worlds, Dearborn. Uh, you know, obviously, we all think he's going to retain that belt, so I think it'll be him. And like you said, I think it'll be Jay Lethal, too. I think that will be absolutely incredible. Marty Skrull versus the returning Matt Seidel should be awesome right there. Just announced Jay White, Will Ospreay. That should be awesome right there. I mean, just unbelievable stuff, and I cannot wait for that event. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Absolutely. So, can't wait for that. Should be a good show. Uh, before we get into our payback predictions, I want to get into this... Uh, a uh, little thing that uh, Pace Magazine did. So Pace Magazine, I believe it was a couple of days ago, announced their top 10 wrestlers of 2017 so far, who have been the best performers so far. They kick off the year 2017. It is a very interesting list. Here are the top 10 from 10 to 1. Number 10 was AJ Styles. Uh, number 9, Kenny Omega. Number 8, Asuka. Number 7 uh, was um, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Number six, Tetsuya Naito. Number five, Kairi Hojo. Number four, Hiromu Takahashi. Number three, Keith Lee. Number two, Katsuyori Shibata. And number one, Kazuchika Okada. Uh, first things first, it just shows you how damn good uh, Japanese wrestlers are, basically. It just shows you how dominant the Japanese wrestling world is starting to become. A lot of major names from Japan on the list. Okada, Shibata, both at one and two. Naito. Takahashi, Hojo, Asuka, a lot of top-notch talent from Japan on this list, but some of the most interesting things I saw on the list, number three was Keith Lee. I mean, that's good to see, right? Because Keith Lee, not a lot of people know about Keith Lee, and they should know about this guy. He is having a hell of a 2017, man. He is killing it right now, wrestling for Evolve Wrestling, going all over the world, having great match after great match with so many big names. He's wrestled guys like Ricochet, Leo Rush, Zack Sabre Jr. Most recently, he wrestled Jeff Cobb at PWG. He's wrestled Sammy Callahan. He's wrestled Michael Elgin. If you have not watched Keith Lee perform, watch this guy. He's about 290 to 300 pounds. But he moves like a cruiserweight. He's a freak of an athlete. I saw this guy do a freaking moonsault out of the ring. Uh, not not a moonsault. A um, a tope con hello is uh, what I'm trying to say. He This guy is an intriguing, amazing talent. And he could be the future of the wrestling world. So good to see Lee get that amount of praise. I am surprised though, that Zack Sabre Jr. is a little bit low on the list. I thought he would be a lot higher at number 7. 
I don't think that's the right spot for Saber Jr. He's having himself a hell of a year. He should be within that top three. Look at him. He's a three. He's a, he's a triple champion right now. He's the Evolved Champion. He's the uh, British Heavyweight Champion for Revolution Pro Wrestling. He's the PWG Champion. He's a part of the Suzuki Gun Faction. He's making a, he's making a name for himself all over the world, man. So I thought Saber Jr. was ranked a little bit low. Uh, you know, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, you could say we're ranked a little bit low, but I see why they're this low. AJ Styles has had a good year so far, but we could see a, lo- a lot more from AJ. And the same can be said for Kenny Omega. You know, he's, he had the match of the year, but that was on a losing, <laughs> that was on a losing situation. He also lost to Tomohiro Ishii in the first round of the New Japan Cup, so that's not going to help him out either. But a very interesting list here. Uh, you can also make case for other names that could be on this list. <laughs> That are not on the list. So you can make your own decision. You can make your own choices for who your top 10 are this year. I'm not going to make my choices. I think this list is pretty damn good. So yeah, some intriguing names on the list. Again, Okada at the very top. To me, that's no shocker. He has been absolutely outstanding this year. Having great match after great match. Shibata number two. A little bit surprising, but I see why. You know, him winning the New Japan Cup. Having a match of the year candidate um, with Okada at the um, at Sakura Genesis. Hiromu Takahashi, what a year he's had so far as the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Asuka continues her undefeated streak. Naito, the Intercontinental Champion. So overall, very interesting list. Liked it a lot. And if you want to see the list, guys, again, go on our Instagram page at Royal Rumble Wrestling or check out PasteMagazine.com. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on the list? Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, you really can't complain about this list right here. I mean, they basically have all the top guys that should, you know, be in the top 10. I mean, you know, maybe it's not in the exact order that you picture it in, but I mean, everybody on this list is definitely deserving of it. I mean, like you said, Okada, probably the best in the world at number one. I mean, how can you argue with that? Shibata at number two, eh, that's debatable. But again, Shibata's a tremendous professional wrestler, and who knows whoever could see him wrestle again because he's actually battling a... A really serious injury he may never be cleared to ever wrestle again so i guess you know might as well get the recognition he deserves while he can because who knows if he'll ever be on here who knows if i ever see him wrestle again so sad stuff with shibata but he deserves to be up there as well keith lee like you said that's very surprising to see him at number three but this guy deserves it like you said he he weighs a lot but he is he moves around like he doesn't and he's had some incredible matches. I mean, his match with Kyle O'Reilly this past weekend was awesome. Then he had a match with David Starr. So, I mean, Keith Lee is tremendous. If you have not seen Keith Lee wrestle, I mean, God, give this guy a look. He definitely deserves all the recognition in the world. It is surprising to see him at number three, but, heck, he deserves to be in the top ten in my opinion. So, like you said, uh, Hiromu Takahashi in there as well. Kyrie Hojo, definitely deserving. Tetsuya Naito, I mean, he's just... One of New Japan's best. I mean, he's he's absolutely killing it. How can you argue with that? Zack Sabre Jr., the guy has four belts, for God's sake. So, uh, you know, n- nothing more to, needs to be said. Asuka is the undefeated NXT Women's Champ and probably one of the best women that WWE has on their roster. So, can't argue with that one either. And then Kenny Omega and AJ Styles, who, in my opinion, are the two top, uh, you know, best in the world. They're literally one and two. And I don't know who's number one. I don't know who's number two. Uh, either way, those two are the best in the world. And there's really, really no debate behind that. I mean, they've proven time and time again that come big match, you know, big match opportunity, these two absolutely deserve uh, to be called the best uh, in the world. So, yeah, I mean, can't argue with it. It's a very interesting list. Uh, everybody on there is definitely deserving. Now, I would have made one swap. I have not seen anything from Kyrie Hojo this year, so I would have taken her out of the top five if I saw a lot of her. 
I would have kept her in the top five. But if there's one person that I would put in the top ten and taking out Kyrie Hojo, definitely Matthew Riddle. If there's a guy that deserves a top ten spot for wrestlers of the year so far in 2017, Matt Riddle deserves that honor. Wherever this guy goes, he's making a name for himself. He's right now the first ever WWN Live Champion. Uh, he is the current Progress Atlas champion. He's wrestling for companies like PWG, for Revolution Pro Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, WCPW, all over the world, Beyond Wrestling, Tier 1 Wrestling. Matt Riddle is going everywhere, and he's making a name for himself everywhere, man. He is one of the best, hottest wrestlers in the world right now. So again, if there's anybody that should be in that top 10 that is not, it should be Matt Riddle. If there was a person that I would take out of the top 10 for Matt Riddle, it would be Kyrie Hojo simply because I've not seen a lot of Hojo this year. But Matt Riddle, man, you want to talk about a guy that's had a great 2017 so far? It has been the king of the bros. Matt Riddle has been absolutely fantastic. Ryan, any specific wrestler that you think should be in the top 10? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is. Off the, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really think right now. I'd really have to think long and hard. But it's hard to argue with Matt Riddle. Like you said, he's had a tremendous 2017 so far. The guy continues to deliver big-time match after big-time match. You know, again, this guy is, is only in his second year, for God's sake. I mean, he had a rookie year last year. And now, in his second year, is absolutely killing it. First-ever WWN champion. He's had big-time match after big-time match. So, yeah, I mean, this guy definitely deserves the recognition. And like you said, haven't really seen too much of Kyrie Hojo. It's not a really a name that jumps out to me. But, again, I mean, I can't argue with it. If, if you know, she deserves a spot, she deserves it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that Matt Riddle, you know, uh, definitely deserves that spot as well. All right. So there you have it. PaceMagazine.com uh, listing their top ten wrestlers 2017. Check that out. It's a very good list. Uh, we move on now to our payback predictions. Of course, this Sunday, payback takes place. At uh, the SAP Center in San Jose, California. Uh, the first pay-per-view uh, of the new year for WWE. As they're moving uh, ahead after WrestleMania 33. So here are the matches taking place on the show. We'll kick it off on the pay on the kickoff show. Enzo and Big Cass versus Gals and Anderson. This match was just thrown together. There's been a mini feud between these two teams. But nothing, anything significant. So it's a toss-up match here. I'm picking the bad guys to win though. Gals and Anderson have been booked a lot better than Enzo and Cass. Enzo and Cass have really gone nowhere so far as of late. they got to be better booked. So do Gals and Anderson. But in terms of who's been the better booking, who's in the better direction right now, it's Gals and Anderson. So I'm picking uh, those two guys to knock off Enzo and Cass. Yeah, I hope they knock off Enzo and Cass. But I'm going to go with Enzo and Cass to win this match. I just feel like now without the tag team titles, not involved in the tag team title feud, I just fear the the worst is is still to come for Gallus and Anderson. Uh, I just think you know again these guys before they they grabbed the titles didn't really do much. They weren't really booked good. I just feel like it's going to continue. Uh, I mean again this match is a kickoff uh, you know match for a reason because there's not much storyline behind it. It's just a random match thrown together. But I'm going to go with Enzo and Cass. All right, second matchup is for the Cruiserweight Championship: Neville versus Austin Aries in a rematch, of course, from WrestleMania 33. Neville won the first match, and he's going to win the second match. I, I don't see Neville dropping this belt anytime soon. I mean, if there's anybody on that roster that should take the belt off of Neville, it's Austin Aries. But to me right now, it's just not the right time. Neville is too hot right now as champion. 
I am expecting to a interruption and interference from TJ Perkins now that he has this relationship with Neville. I think he gets involved and he causes areas of the match. So uh, should be a good solid match again. These two guys have good chemistry. The storyline has been very solid, but uh, no title changes Sunday. Give me Neville to retain. Yeah, if Austin Aries was going to win this belt, he would have won it at WrestleMania. To me, it just seems like they have no plans to take the belt off of Neville at this time. And it's a shame because Austin Aries, like you said, definitely deserves it. And if he doesn't get it now, I, I don't think down the line they're going to give it to him. I think this is his shot right now. Uh, but again, it's just a bad place, at, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I think Neville holds on to the belt as well. All right, moving on to the tag team tile match. The Hardy Boys in their first tag team tile defense. Since coming back, we'll defend the belt against Sheamus and Cesaro again. I have not been a fan of the storyline. I'm not a fan of the, hey, we're enemies, but I respect you no matter what. It's stupid stuff. They got they, ha they had to do a better job telling this story, telling this feud. But no brainer. Hardy Boys are retaining the belts. They're not dropping these belts anytime soon. They just came back. They're going to have a nice solid run as champions. And also good to hear that the broken gimmicks are now look like they're going to come back for both Matt and Jeff, specifically for Matt. Uh, Broken match should be back on television very soon. Jeff Hardy, though, could be in a different direction. I've been hearing rumors that he could he could get a singles push, maybe back in the world title pitcher. Uh, but for right now, he's a part of the tag team with his brother Matt. They're going to be Cesaro and Sheamus. Maybe after the match is over, Cesaro and Sheamus uh, let their frustrations out on Matt and Jeff. Maybe set up a rematch down the road. But uh, easy pick here. Matt and Jeff retain the tag team titles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't see them dropping these belts. I think they will retain. What happens after will be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how long of a title reign Matt and Jeff Hardy are going to have because I just feel like, like you said, Brian, with, with a broken gimmick possibly coming back from Matt Hardy, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be him and Jeff with a broken gimmick. I know Jeff did a little, little bit of uh, the broken thing himself with the obsolete stuff in TNA, but I don't think they're going to do that in WWE. I feel like it's just going to be Matt on his own, and I feel like Jeff Hardy's going to get that singles push. Jeff Hardy was always the one out of the two to get that main event push. I never really viewed Matt Hardy as a main event level guy, but Jeff Hardy proved time and time again that he deserves it, and he could definitely uh, be a main eventer. So I think they will push him. Uh, but it, it will be good to see the broken gimmick back on on television for sure. But I think you know, as of this Sunday, they retain the tag team titles uh, against Sheamus and Cesaro. All right, next matchup is for the Raw Women's Championship: Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. Again, you know, I I just I love Alexa Bliss. She's one of the best that the uh, that the women's division has right now in WWE. But she's not going to be the one to take the belt for Bailey. It's going to be Sasha Banks, and I think it's going to happen at SummerSlam. So unfortunately for the Alexa Bliss fans. Like myself, she is not going to win the belt this Sunday. I think Bailey wins this match. How is she going to win the match? I'm not so sure. She could definitely win it cleanly, or she can win it because of Sasha Banks. Who the heck knows? But uh, one thing for sure is Bailey's not dropping this belt anytime soon. And again, if there's anybody in that division that should take the belt for Bailey, it should be Sasha Banks. Even though how great Alexa Bliss is, she's not the right one to take the belt for Bailey. So give me Bailey to retain the Royal Women's Championship. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, never would have thought it would be Bailey versus Alexa Bliss in this spot. I thought for sure it would be Bailey versus Nia Jax. But instead, we're getting Alexa Bliss. And, you know, like you said, Brian, I love her as well. She's great. She's tremendous. Absolutely deserves to hold on to the championship. But uh, I just don't think she'll win it yet. 
Uh, maybe down the line, hopefully down the line, she does end up grabbing the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen right now. I think Bailey will retain. Like you said, you'll hold on for, to it for a while. And again, I think it's all leading towards Bailey and Sasha Banks. That feud possibly going to happen in the summer leading up to SummerSlam. So I think that's the big time feud right there. I don't think Alexa Bliss takes his belt. Uh, so Bailey will retain. All right, moving on to the United States Championship match between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. Their final encounter as Chris Jericho prepares to uh, leave the company to continue his uh, Fozzie tour. So uh, this is an easy pick here. Kevin Owens is going to retain this belt. We all know what's next for both guys. Owens is going to be focusing on AJ Styles and SmackDown. And Jericho will be focusing on his uh, his his rock band, Fozzie. So uh, should be a good match between these two guys. But uh, no-brainer here. Kevin Owens is not dropping this belt. He will retain this Sunday. And he'll focus on AJ Styles while Chris Jericho goes back to uh, the rock the rock, uh, the rock rock band lifestyle with his, with his uh, rock band, Fozzie. So uh, easy pick here. Kevin Owens retains. Yeah, I mean, uh, another predictable match due to the superstar shakeup here. I mean, uh, basically, you know, like we saw this past week on SmackDown, you saw Kevin Owens and AJ Styles battling it out, basically. They're giving away the, the result for Sunday because there's no way Chris Jericho is just going to take this belt and enter a feud with AJ Styles last minute here. They've been building towards this Kevin Owens-AJ Styles thing for two weeks now, basically. There's no way Owens loses this. Uh, Jericho is going to go on tour with his band, and hopefully he comes back because Jericho is one of the best things on WWE television today in the year 2017. Still the best thing. Uh, it's pretty remarkable that he is doing the things that he's doing still. Uh, but So hopefully he'll be back. But as of right now, Kevin Owens will definitely retain the uh, United States Championship. All right, next matchup has the chance to be match of the night. It just depends on how much time they get. And that is Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. Uh, this match should have happened at Fastlane, but because of Seth's injury, it didn't happen. So we're going to get this match finally this Sunday at Payback. The build-up to this match has been very solid. And I'm looking forward to it because Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe have a history together. They're both wrestling Ring of Honor for many years. Uh, and you can tell that they have chemistry both in the ring and on the microphone. So... Again, it has a chance to be match of the night, but it comes down to the duration of the match. If they get enough time, I think these two guys can put together the best match of the night. If they don't get enough time, who the heck knows what's going to happen in this match? I don't think we're going to get a winner in this match. I think it's going to end in no contest. This is like the type of match where I think Samoa Joe and Seth Rollins just get out of hand, where the ref just says, you know what, end this match. It's getting out of hand. Both these guys are disqualified. I think we're going to get to that point in the match. I mean, maybe we'll get a winner. Maybe Samojo wins or maybe Seth Rollins wins. But I think for them to continue this storyline, this match should end in a no contest. And then their next matchup should be like a hardcore type of match. You know, because this is a personal feud. All right, Joe attacks Seth Rollins. He injures Seth Rollins. Almost takes him out for a couple more months. Seth Rollins is fine. He's seeking revenge on Samoa Joe. Make this a very interesting storyline. Make it Make it personal. That's where they should go. So I'm not picking a winner for this Sunday. It should be a good match, but no winner. I think it ends in a no contest, leading up to a rematch at the next Raw pay-per-view. Not sure what it is. And in that pay-per-view match, like an Extreme Rules type of hardcore match that should happen between these two guys. So it should be a fun match, but I'm picking no winner. I think it ends in a no contest. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, very interesting. This, I think, you know, well, this personally, for me, is the match I'm looking forward to the most. It should have happened, like you said, a fast lane. But you know what? It ends up working out that this match is happening at payback. It's actually fitting, you know, that it happens at payback. 
uh, you know, now than it, you know, if it were to happen at Fastlane due to what happened with Samoa Joe injuring uh, Seth Rollins and putting him on the shelf, possibly. You know, he almost missed WrestleMania because of it. So Seth trying to get his payback on Samoa Joe. It's only fitting. It makes a ton of sense. I like that theory, too, and I definitely could see that happening. Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we get a clean winner here. I do think Samoa Joe ends up winning. He should win. Uh, to me, if Seth Rollins wins, basically the feud's over. Because usually if the face wins like that, it's, you know, that that's it. Uh, but I think, you know, Samoa Joe has to win this match somehow. Whether he beats down Seth Rollins so much, uh, you know, that he, you know... I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to pick Samoa Joe to win the match. I just don't know how he does. I don't see him really picking up the win clean. I don't know, maybe some interference happens, or maybe, like you said, he just beats beats him down and gets disqualified. Maybe Seth Rollins win, wins by disqualification. I don't know. I'm going to go with Samoa Joe, though, if I had to make a pick. It's really tough, but like you said, given time, Brian, this could be the match of the night. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens with that. Two more matches to go. House of Horrors match, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Originally, it was supposed to be for the World Championship. No longer the case now. It's a non-title match, which to me makes zero sense because now there's no intrigue with this match. Uh, I am a little bit intrigued to see how the match is going to go. If I'm going to give my thoughts on it and what are my expectations for this match, I think it's going to be pre-taped like the final deletion. It's going to start out that way, and then the match is going to end in the ring. That's how I see it playing out. It's going to start like the final deletion. It's going to be pre-taped. These two guys are going to be in some sort of house. Crazy stuff's going to happen. And then the match is going to end in the ring. Who's going to win? Randy Orton's going to win this match. All right. You know, Bray Wyatt is moving into a different direction now. He's on Raw. Randy Orton's going to be focusing on Jinder Mahal. I'll see the reason why Bray should win this match. Randy's going to win this match. It's tough to predict because maybe Bray does win this match because this is his match. But... Again, they, they killed this storyline. They killed this match because these two guys were all, were on two separate shows. That was a big mistake because this match had potential to be very, very good. But with these two guys on different shows, it killed the story. It killed the intrigue for many fans. I'm still interested because I want to see how the match is going to go. And I'm very curious to see what this House of Horrors match is going to be about. But still, when you look at the big picture... It does kill the intrigue a little bit because these two are on separate shows. So we'll see what happens with this match again. If I had to make a prediction, it starts out pre-taped. These two guys, like a final deletion type of type of scenario. And then the match ends in the ring. Who's going to win that match? I'm going to pick Randy Orton. It's a toss-up possibly, but to me, Randy Orton's the world champion. He wins this match beating Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, uh, I, I totally agree. I think it is pre-taped in the beginning. Uh, you know, again, it's, I, I think it's going to be good. I mean, hopefully it's good. I mean, they're, they're really building towards this thing to be something crazy. I mean, Bray Wyatt's been hyping it up a lot. It sounds like it could be nuts. And especially if it's pre-taped, I think they could do a lot of cool things on a pre-taped thing rather than it being live, obviously. And then, like you said, Brian, it will end up being live. You know, the finish will be live in front of the crowd in the ring uh, whether it's, you know, Randy Orton putting Bray Wyatt in some sort of motor vehicle or something and driving him into the arena or something along the lines of that, uh, you know, somehow they get back to the arena. I don't know. But like you said, it's going to be pre-taped, kind of like it was with the final deletion. I think it has to be because, I mean, how, how much could you possibly do 
in the ring for something called the House of Horrors match. I mean, really, how could it be any different than us just seeing a regular match with, like, kendo sticks and tables and chairs and ladders? I mean, how could it be anything different? So, again, I think it has to be pre-taped and then ends in the ring. Like you said, though, easy pick here. Randy Orton's winning. But I am intrigued to see what this match is all about. And finally, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. We've talked about this a lot. Should be a good match. These two guys have good chemistry together. But again, booking decision-wise, WWE has got to get this right. And the only right decision with this match booking-wise is to have Braun Strowman go over Roman Reigns. All right? Like you said before, Ryan, if Roman Reigns loses this match, it doesn't hurt him one bit. Because Roman Reigns is always going to be around. He's already at that point where... It doesn't matter what happens to this guy, win or lose, Roman Reigns is always going to be in that same spot because he's the top guy in the company. If Braun Strowman loses this match, then WWE is killing themselves with all this work and building Braun Strowman as this unstoppable force. And they're going to have this guy lose again to Roman Reigns. They made that mistake at Fastlane. They can't make that same mistake again this time. Braun is too red hot right now. Every single week, he's doing something impactful. Whether it's getting into the face of Brock Lesnar, uh, basically destroying Roman Reigns, suplexing Big Show, and breaking the ring. And then this past Monday, you know, putting Kalisto in a dumpster and throwing him off the stage. Every single week, Braun is doing something big. You got to keep this guy going. You got to keep this guy red hot. Him going over Roman Reigns will be a major statement. And like I said before, after this match is done, if Braun goes over Roman Reigns, I'm having Braun go right after the World Championship against Brock Lesnar at the next pay-per-view, all right? And I'm having him beating Brock Lesnar. I'll go further and say that, that he should beat Brock Lesnar for this belt. He is too red hot right now. Capitalize on this momentum. Do not stall it, all right? It will make zero sense for Roman to go over Braun Strowman. Again, would I be shocked if Roman wins? Absolutely not, because he's Roman Reigns, and he's always going to be the top guy. But for this certain reason, and in this time, with the way they have booked Braun Strowman, the way they booked him, it makes zero sense to have Roman Reigns go over Braun Strowman. So I'm hoping for Braun to win this match, and I think he's going to win this match. So give me Braun Strowman to win, which should be a very good match. And then when it's all said and done, Braun gets this win. Let him go after the World Championship, and I'll say this. Let him beat Brock Lesnar. Brock has no reason, no purpose to hold the championship. It should be held by a full-timer, and there's no hotter full-timer right now on Raw than Braun Strowman. And he's right now the most believable guy to beat Brock Lesnar. Make it happen, WWE, and it starts this Sunday. Braun beats Roman. Absolutely. I mean, uh, again, the way they've been booking Braun the past few weeks, how could he not go into this match on Sunday and win? Especially, like you said, the fact that he is facing Brock Lesnar. It's on the horizon. That match is going to happen somewhere in the summer. I believe it's going to happen in June, probably. Uh, again, I don't think they could hold this thing off until SummerSlam. Uh, you know, I don't know what the pay-per-view is in between there for Raw, but it's going to happen sometime soon, I feel like, with Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. I mean, it has to happen soon. You can't have this belt off of Raw for too much longer. So in order for Braun to be believable in beating Brock, which I already think he is believable, but if he loses to Roman Reigns, how is he believable to beat Brock Lesnar if he can't even beat Roman Reigns? Uh, again, he is going to win this match. He has to win this match. Like you said, Roman Reigns, it does nothing... Nothing bad for him if he loses. It doesn't harm him in any way. He's still a top star. He, he freaking beat The Undertaker and retired him, for God's sake. I mean, this guy's had multiple WWE title runs already. He's main evented 
WrestleMania three years in a row. I mean, the guy is a top star. Him losing to Braun Strowman is not going to do any harm to him. Braun needs to win more. He's going to win. I'm so confident this time that they're going to do the right thing and have Braun win. And then go into that match with Brock Lesnar looking strong. And whatever happens there, we'll see. But as of this Sunday, Braun will walk out victorious. He has to. There's no other way. Again, you know, you, you've done all this work every single week to book Braun like this unstoppable beast. And they've done a great job at that. It won't make sense whatsoever to do all that and to have him lose to Roman Reigns on Sunday. It makes no sense. So I agree, Ryan. Braun gets this win. And if there's anybody that should take the bell for Brock Lesnar in the future... It should be Braun Strowman. He is the most believable guy on the roster that can beat Brock Lesnar. So we'll see what happens this Sunday. It is payback. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, WWE Network. Check it out. Good card. A lot of unpredictability, though. We don't know what's going to happen on the show, so we'll see what happens this Sunday. Uh, that's all the time we got, people. Thank you for tuning in. We want to thank Ethan Page for coming on with us. Good interview. Um, you know, He's got some big things coming up for his future. Uh, as he gets set for the uh, Evolve Championship match with Zack Sabre Jr. at Evolve 84. Uh, next week, of course, another busy week for us. We're going to be recapping, of course, Payback along with SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and so many other stuff. There should be more news coming out every single day. So should be a busy week for us next week. So again, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. For us personally, it's at me uh, for me it's at b underscore cynic 95 for ryan it's at ryan underscore moderano you can also like us on facebook facebook.com slash royal ramble wrestling and also follow us on instagram at royal ramble wrestling also guys subscribe to our show on itunes and stitcher it's all the time we got i'm brian sendek he's ryan moderano have a great weekend everybody we'll see you next thursday here on itsyourradio.com